Welcome to episode 25 of the Hike or Die Outdoor Adventure Podcast. Craig, what is better than listening to me talk about fitness and exercise? Right, nothing's better than that. Uh, I disagree. Listening to somebody who knows what they're talking about <laughs> would be better. Uh, in this uh, podcast, we've got a fantastic guest. His name is Chase Tucker. On Instagram, he goes by the name of Chase Mountains. He's a, a legend in his field, and he's going to tell you everything you need to know to get ready for the mountains. Craig, do the music thing. Thank you, as always, to our regular podcast sponsors for their support. Topo Maps Plus, a phone application that allows you to view topographical maps and track your location even without cell phone coverage. Go deeper into the backcountry. Rios Floating Polarized Sunglasses with 100% UV protection for the love of water. Bluey Merino, Australian super fine merino wool base mid top layer garments. Where our story ends, yours is just beginning. Caribbee, one of Australia's leading backpack, travel and outdoor brands. They supply us with dry bags, waterproof day packs and expedition bags. Supporting our sponsors allows us to continue to produce this podcast. So please jump online and check out what they have to offer. G'day guys, how you doing? Look, uh, before I jump into... The podcast and the introductions and everything today, I just wanted to um, just just make a quick note about, I guess, the state of state of the world. Uh, I thought it would be, in a sense, wrong not to say something, although I don't want to get into details and I don't want to unpack anything because there's 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 just too much uh, there's just too much information to kind of. Um, deal with there. Uh, what I wanted to do though is share a bit of an observation with you. When I was going through, uh, as I do, I often check our podcast statistics and something that I that I kind of take pleasure in is when I read through the uh, interesting and weird and wonderful countries that have listeners of this podcast and it just blows me away. And I, I was saying to Craig just before we came on air, I don't even know, I've never heard of, there's one one particular country, I've never even heard of it. Never in my life have I heard of it and we've got listeners there. So let me just go through a couple. Right? This is not every single one, but uh, Russia, Iceland, Japan, New Zealand, Ukraine, Poland, Chile, Brazil, Germany, France, Spain, uh where our guest is from tonight, uh, Morocco, Bolivia, Zambia, South Africa, Indonesia, Malaysia, Philippines, Japan, China, Mongolia, US, Canada, and the UK, Ireland, Sweden, Norway, India, Thailand, Cambodia, stick with me, I am, there is a point to this, Saudi Arabia, Zambia, Peru, Argentina, Bangladesh, Kenya, here's a country I'd never heard of, Oman or Oman, uh, Lithuania, Turkey, Romania, Latvia, Greece, and Finland. 
if I've missed your country, I do apologize. We do appreciate you listening. Now, when I was looking through that, Craig, I was thinking, isn't that incredible? The the different cultures, the different races and the different people that are listening to us. And then it kind of occurred to me that what was extra special about that is we've obviously all got a deep appreciation. I would assume that all of our listeners have an appreciation for hiking or the outdoors in some shape or form. Mm-hmm. And I thought we there's there's a connection there. I'd, I'd share the trail with anybody, any one of our listeners. I know that because we've got so much in common. I'd even share my trail mix. But, <laughs> but my point is we've all got something in common and, and this is just one one aspect and perhaps I'm not articulating this as well as I could but I I really didn't want to rehearse it what I'm saying in a nutshell is we're all on the same planet we all have a lot more in common than we think and guys just just share the love just pass it around pay it forward yeah it's as simple as that so I don't really want to dwell on that any further, but I did want to say uh, that I hope everybody listening is safe, healthy. I hope your families are safe and healthy. And uh, look after yourself, look after your friends, and, and I guess look after strangers as well. Just just look after you. Just look after everyone. How's that? Share the love. All right, mate. <laughs> How's that? Mate, that was that was beautiful, actually. Yeah, all right. I very, just wanted to keep it very thoughtful of you, mate. Fairly simple. Well, as I said, I, I I toyed with the idea of not mentioning it all, and then I just kind of felt like uh, it, it, just ignoring it was would not be a a way of um, ignoring it and avoiding it because it would have been a heck of a lot easier for me not to have to say that. Mm. But um, there it is. I said it. No, we're thinking about you guys. Everyone's got their own shit going on. I hope it. Uh, I hope it settles down and we can all, you know, come out on the other side. Yeah. Excellent. All right, I'm gonna just try and lighten things up a bit now. Um, Craig, how's how's my beard looking tonight? Just curious. <laughs> it is it's looking good. better. It's it is it's better. Okay, good. I'll take that. I'll tell you why. And to be honest, <laughs> be totally honest. Uh, episode 25 has uh, a sponsor and they are called Jericho Australia. A really cool story behind this business. They make uh, handmade beard grooming products and they use all natural ingredients. What I really like as well is, uh, oh, hang on, let me just touch on some of these ingredients. Almond, coconut, hemp seed and peppermint oils. So not fake scents. We're talking about the oils. Uh, also, mango, shea, and cocoa butter they use in a lot of their um, beard balms and stuff like that. What I really like about this business as well is that it's veteran-owned and operated. And starting this vis- sorry, starting this business was a solution to a problem. After the owner left the army, he decided he was sick of shaving every day, so he was going to grow a beard. And as us bearded folk often find, uh, we start to get, um, how'd you say it? 
Well, I think on their website they refer to it as beardruff, <laughs> which is the beard <laughs> equivalent of dandruff. So yeah, just dry, itchy, all those sorts of things. Uh, I don't know if you, if listeners know if they've seen on Instagram or whatever. I, I've ninety nine percent of the time I'm I'm sporting a beard. Uh, sometimes it's 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 enormous. Other times it's um, not so big. Listen to some of the um, scents <laughs> that you can get on your face, Craig. Salted caramel, vanilla liqueur, uh, peppermint, espresso martini, fruit mm-hmm. fusion. Mm-hmm. They sent me one called Suits and Cigars. <laughs> and I really didn't know what to expect because the other ones, they kind of, you know what salted caramel is going to smell like. But Suits and Cigars, man, that's sophisticated. That is. And bold. Yeah, yeah. Uh, at the same time, it's got a hint of sweet on it, and I do like it. I couple that with the peppermint oil, and it is a pleasure in the morning to get out of the shower and put these oils on. I apologize. It's not a laughing matter, Mac. Actually, I'm going to start to grow this thing <laughs> a little bit. And... You need to grow it just to experience these. Uh you know, if you know beards like I do, you know that when you're in the wilderness, it's your first line of defense. So look after the damn thing. And smelling good never hurt anybody either. Jump over to jerichoaustralia.com. At the moment, if you use the promo code Hike or Die, all one word, all capital letters, you'll get 15% off anything in their range. That's a pretty good deal, right, Craig? Mm, sounds good, man. That's it, jerichoaustralia.com. I will put all of that information in the podcast show notes for you. Good stuff, <clears throat> mate. How are you after all of that? Hey, thanks, man. I'm I'm pretty fine, thanks. Doing all right. That's all right. Looking after yourself? Yeah. I'm just going to have a sip of coffee while you tell us something interesting. It's nice coffee, too. Thanks for bringing that around, man. Um... I don't know. I've just been, uh, you know, back at work, working hard, and then around the house here doing some stuff. We're still not able to get out um, into the wilderness around here, um, but I think it's the time is near for us to get out and adventure a bit more. Yeah, it's definitely. Uh, it. I was very good uh, during you know when we had a complete lockdown. I was very good at deliberately um, focusing on being content uh, within that space of my property and and almost deliberately not thinking about the outdoors. Yeah, you said that last time and I've actually realised that I'm not planning anything at the moment outdoors-wise because of the risk that it may never, Yeah, it may not be able to be done. So, Like you'd be let down. Yeah, so trying to be content with where I'm at, as you said, it's um, it's a challenge. Yeah, yeah, that's where I, it's I, at. I think there's a, there's an opportunity to focus on other things, but like you say, these uh, at least where we are, we've had significant um, lifts in our restrictions. Hmm. So it's just a matter of time before Craig and I get back out. Yeah, we started hearing um, that and I, I love that people are putting out there, you know, where's the first place you're going to uh, run for, you know, head to, yeah. you know, where are you going after this all? You can start to you can start to get that, that happening, eh? Yeah, I think it's about time. I think you and I should um, 
should pencil in something uh, because if not already, very soon we're allowed to stay overnight in national parks. Yeah, that's what I'm waiting for. I think it's now. It's now? I think it might be right now. I feel like... Oh, Queensland did that thing. I feel like your shock is telling me that it's incorrect. Let's just say... No, no, no. It is It is now because in Queensland they've allowed us to travel. Does that mean overnight well, camping's th- on? Yeah, look, let, let me just say it this way. Whatever area you're in, whatever country you're in, check your own regulations. Don't listen to me. That's right. I'm pretty sure that at the moment we, can. we are, if not right now, as of uh, the 1st of June, uh, in the very near future, we were allowed to camp overnight, and I believe our travel is unlimited. Yeah, travel's good. Staying so, overnight in the park. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure it, that's a thing. What are we doing this weekend? <laughs> I was thinking of that, actually. <laughs> uh, I actually think I might take the four-wheel drive out this weekend Yeah, uh, and just take the family and run through... Um, Some puddles. One of the national parks, yeah. Do you want to come for a drive? Let's go get dirty, yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think another friend of mine might come. So um, let me decide on a day with him and let you know. It, it'll just be a real relaxed thing where we take a bit of a picnic and hmm. chuck the kids in the back and just, uh, yeah, those, those. Uh, I'm talking about the Diagula Forest there, just going, driving up to, I know this doesn't make sense to anybody, Except people in our area. <laughs> Here we but, are, uh, just planning our weekend. Yeah, just planning our, just happen to have the microphones on. <laughs> uh, yeah, so drive up to Woodford and then spend sort of half a day driving back down through the... Telegraphs and stuff like that. Yeah, and it'll pop out um, at uh, the gantry and then drive home. Yeah, sure. Yeah, okay. All right, I'll... Watch this space. Watch this space. (laughs) Sorry, guys, you're not invited. It's just Craig. I don't want 15 cars turning up. Yes. (laughs) Uh, Hey, have you heard of What Three Words? Have you heard of that? No. What Three Words is, uh, it's just one of these weird, funny things that uh, someone's come up with this idea. Uh, Every single square meter on the planet uh, through this website, every single square meter has a, a word attached to it. doesn't have to be related to what's around there, but it's just every single square meter on the planet has a word attached to it. I think there might even be an app. I really should have. Um, I, th- I think it might be app-based. <clears throat> so uh, right now we could look up uh, your front yard, for example, mm-hmm. and you, you could stand in a particular square meter. Um, use you, you know, obviously um, a GPS on your phone will tell you where you are, and there'll be a word associated with that one square meter. It could, it could be, um, or hopefully, it's coffee, right? But it'll That'd just be, be a yeah. word, right? And you step in the next square meter, and it's a different word, and this goes on for a bazillion. It's just all over the world, right? Really? Okay. Yeah. So uh, don't worry. I didn't. I didn't know about this either. Uh, <clears throat> there was some uh, missing walkers, uh, hikers, on uh, Flinders Island, I believe. Maybe I should just open the article. It's been a few days since I've read it, and 
Yeah, so injured hikers on Flinders Island. Using what three words it says? Yeah. So what happened was, I believe they couldn't, um, they couldn't explain exactly where they were to the ambulance, to the rescue crew. They couldn't explain exactly in detail. They didn't know how to... Um, they had phone reception, at least in parts, but they, they didn't know how to explain or use GPS coordinates or whatever. They couldn't tell authorities exactly where they were. Uh, now, if, if my memory serves me correct, it was someone, one of the responders that, yeah, sent them a link via SMS to a service called What Three Words. So they've got a link because they could get texts, uh, SMSs. So they've opened the link. Hmm. And then he said, um, tell us uh, three, three square meters around you, what's the three words? And so I think they actually said what the words were. So you could even look up exactly where they were. I'm sure it says what three words. Oh, here it is. Uh, rare causes rocked is that one square meter. And the reason you use the three is obviously to triangulate that. <clears throat> perhaps, and I don't know, perhaps there's another square meter somewhere else on the planet that's called rocked. But it'll never be next to causes and rare. Right. So what they've done is they've said to the, um, they've sent this text to these people and said, tell us what mm -hmm. three square meters you are next to. And they've said rare causes rocked. They've pinpointed exactly where the people are within three square meters and gone there and rescued them. That's surreal. It's how bizarre is using... A bit of a fun app to, um, oh, hang on. That wasn't where they, why is this one? We were able to, oh no, the three, it says here that the three, I don't know why that's got, um, maybe that's just an example. Of the actual words. Yeah, that one, no, because down here it says, um. They were able to confirm their three words were murky founding spoonfuls. Nice. <laughs> uh, either way, that's how they, that's how they, um, this lady had an injured leg and uh, she got, she got saved. Wow. Yeah, that's, so that's what they're saying later on in the article here, that long GPS coordinates can cause stress and confusion for some people. So, um and they didn't have an EPIRB, so they were basically, didn't know how to convey a technical GPS code. But anyone can just say, I'm at Murky Founding Spoonfuls, come and get me. <laughs> well, it happened during our conversation with Chase from Chasing Mountains, but my mind is blown again now. <laughs> oh, wow, that's twice it's in blown. one night. <laughs> that's awesome. So I reckon you'll probably put that on your phone, won't you? Yeah, I might. You I, could. I still haven't. I still don't fully understand it. I think I'm gonna to have to sleep on that one. And like, let that sink in. That actually, that is pretty cool. It is cool because you can never have that combination of words anywhere else. So they have to be at that spot. If the app on their phone has said that they're at that spot, mm -hmm. it's kind of gold. Jeez, I thought that was interesting. 
Yeah. If you get lost, you need it, right? There you go, guys. If, you, if you're not into explaining GPS coordinates, yep. <laughs> get download what three words. And if you got reception, send that to the, uh, <laughs> to the old rescue crew. crew. <laughs> so you're right. Uh, <clears throat> this one, this, this next article here that I was reading through, it's no real surprise. I thought about not even including it. It's no real surprise, but uh, the the title of the article is uh, Some Gym Junkies Are Seeing the Benefit of Exercising in the Great Outdoors. And I thought, well, you know, of course they are because it's awesome because we we know about it. We do it all the time. And I thought it was kind of um, pointless including this article, but... As I read further and I thought a bit more about it, I thought, well, you know what? It's kind of cool that uh, the gym restrictions are exposing people, you know, within reason. It, it, obviously, if if they're not allowed to go to national parks, that's unfortunate. But if they are still allowed to do those things, but just not go to a physical gym, then. A lot of people, um, like one particular guy in this article was saying that he obviously doesn't have access to, you know, the heavy weights and everything that he would normally do. But after, um, you know, a couple of um, hikes and he noticed that the there's kind of unexpected benefits and that it was less, he felt better. And he thinks it was because it was less impact on his body. So he wasn't training huge weights to failure. He was getting out there and, and using his body uh, in a functional way. And, I mean, that dovetails pretty well into our guest tonight as well, really. Yeah, right. So, yeah, it's not <clears> – <throat> there's nothing in there. I don't read the article and say, oh, wow, that's so profound. I, I would never have thought that. But I most certainly was happy to hear that people are – uh, turning turning to the outdoors, yeah, uh, where they can and when they can. Silver lining, isn't it? But uh, yeah, because you never know, and, and uh, I think it's pretty, you know, easy to say that <clears throat> there's probably a percentage of those people that, when everything simmers down, they'll probably continue to incorporate uh, the outdoors into their workouts mm-hmm. more than they would have. Uh, I've never been a gym person. I can't, no offense to anybody who goes to gyms, I can't stand the places. I can't stand being inside walls. I don't like <clears throat> stationary equipment. I just, there's just so much I don't like egos. And I know, I know I'm grossly uh, pigeonholing and exaggerating, but we all know those places exist, right? Yeah, sure. It's a fact. Like some people, like, you feel silly walking into a gym if you're not buffed but everyone has to get back into shape or uh you know in some way so anyway it's just interesting i thought it was cool and like i said if people uh, continue to keep yeah. that as part of their workout beyond this then it's probably a good thing mm-hmm. all right earthquake alert have you heard about this one Almost a dozen earthquakes recorded in clusters near Yellowstone Park within 24 hours. Really? Yeah. 
uh, struck by nearly a dozen earthquakes on Friday, according to the U.S. Geological Survey. Um, they were ranging from... Oh, they've been hit by another additional 34 quakes in the past month. Um, roughly, the strongest one was 3.1, but they're ranging from 1.6 to 3.1 magnitude, which is about three miles deep, 4.8 kilometers deep into the earth. That's pretty crazy when you look at it like that, isn't it? Yeah. So they do say that. Isn't it like a big volcano? Because I've been watching that story for yeah, a long it's, time. No, no, no. It's not a volcano, man. It's a super volcano. Yeah, that's what they say, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a super volcano. There's only three in America, I believe. Or oh, sorry, on that continent. Um, there's only three super... Yeah. Uh, Yellowstone, New Mexico, and Long Valley in California. So, yeah, it's got a super volcano. Um, they say it's not really a big deal. They're not, um, worried about it erupting soon. Uh, probably not for a thousand years. So, um, yeah, probably a while before we see it. Um, however, in the unlikely case that it did erupt, it would not be good for anybody. Uh, so if it was going to erupt, it'd probably do it in 2020. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> right? That's right. Uh, which I think is people's main concern is, oh, right, okay, so you want to uh, add that to the mix? Jeez. So yeah, sorry guys, I'm not, I'm not trying to make light of what's going on, but, <laughs> but it really, um, the timing of it couldn't be any more ridiculous, could it? No, no. Right. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> Hey, let me have a um, sip of my coffee. I was thinking, uh, that's interesting. I think I forgot to put um, my full notes in for the magical, Tom's Magical Mystery Media mashup. I've just put in um, a couple of notes there, but I haven't actually put in, uh... oh, sorry, that's all for one. Wow, I'm sounding super unprofessional tonight. I only have one. I only have one. <clears throat> mm -hmm. It's uh, a film by Mammut. I think that's how you pronounce it. Are you familiar? They're a, a gear brand. Oh, yeah. Mammut, little, I yeah. think it's a little elephant or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like a lot of uh, YouTube channels like Salomon, like a lot of the big brands are obviously investing oh, yeah. pretty heavily in some beautiful little short films. This is a film th that I watched called Choices, and it features a lady called Steph Davis. I didn't know anything about her, didn't know who she was. I didn't really know anything about climbing anyway, but... It was just it just kind of captivated me and ended up watching the whole thing. So she was originally a rock climber, and there was a I don't want to give too much away a series of unfortunate events through her um, through her life with uh, her partner dying and oh, it, yeah it's it it was tough to watch. But then she's basically come out of that. And 
just decided that she wants to be a base jumper. So right. yeah, she's just gone, oh, okay, I'm, I'm done with climbing. I need something else and started learning to base jump. And now she um, base jumps with her new partner. Uh, and uh, he, I think he was already a base jumper. And uh, yeah, they just showed all this cool footage of them doing that together. And uh, yeah, a um, bit of a warning gets a bit teary certainly um when she's uh recounting some of her experiences i i got a bit emotional there but it's a it's just a beautiful little film uh hats off to mammut for for putting that together and um putting it up there i, th- I think it's a standard short film it's somewhere around 17 to 20 minutes or something but it's just a fun little film you're very sensitive aren't you oh mate if you haven't worked that out by now <laughs> you haven't listened to it, this podcast enough Wait till you listen later on. (laughs) That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. Okay. I want to do a couple of um, shout outs. This is quite funny. Uh, My notes are all over the place. Oh, no, 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 no. We're all good. We're all good. Okay. So I got a message from... Roland, this was uh, on Instagram after we released the last podcast. And he says, hey, fellas, I'm in Cairns and I've always loved listening to your podcast. I always get a good laugh out of them. Funny, guys. Not sure if it's funny or more awkward and unorganized, but I'll take funny. I'll take funny, guys. That's fine. <laughs> uh he knows we had a bit of a, a break, but he's super glad to listen to the new stuff. This is another example of of a listener who's been around for a while and uh, secretly listening, and we kind of, we don't know. We see the numbers. There's people listening, but every now and then people just choose to reach out, and uh, it's, just, it's just really nice. So he's also said that... <clears throat> His um, parents, he, he's got the idea that we like coffee somehow. And uh, his parents run a, a uh, coffee place and he said, oh, I'm going to have to try and hook you up. So that's very kind of him. Sweet. No obligation. Love it. Good on you, mate. Um, and he says um, he really loves the stuff we do and uh, wants to do something for us in return, which, again, extremely kind and he says, keep those podcasts coming, boys. Well, we're here, mate. We're doing it again. We're keeping them going. Yeah. Really appreciate the message. Uh, this is a funny one, Craig. <clears throat> Excuse me. This was an email that I received from a guy called Joe. Um, Joe's a Englishman. Don't hold that against him. I deliberately said that because he sticks it to me later, so it's all good. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, He's living in Germany at the moment. So it's it's a very long email. I really appreciate the time, Joe, that you've taken to write in such detail. Some of the key points I left out from this is he wants to say thanks and and. You know, well done for creating great podcasts. Thank you. I appreciate that, Joe. Uh, he said he, he wanted to let us know about the impact that the podcasts have had on him. 
he he's relatively new uh, in that he's only started listening earlier this year. He listened to the 2019 hiking year in review as uh, that was the first episode he listened to. Okay. And what he said about that is, was he went for a run one evening and he likes to put on, uh, it's funny because he says, I tend to prefer running to relaxing music. And I thought, well, there's nothing more monotone and relaxing than us talking. So <laughs> I'm surprised he didn't just kind of pass out on the trail. <laughs> but uh, he says, he sticks us to us that your long-winded stories and funny banter make great company. He says, a smile grew across my face as you mentioned. Not only my favorite book, Born to Run, but also YouTube videos from Bo Miles, which I had also watched not long before. Yeah, yeah. Hey, yeah. How cool is that? Yeah, that's That's good. great. So um, then he said he went back to episode one and started going through them all. Again, I'm not sure that um, that's, you know, healthy. I don't know. <laughs> but thank you very much for that. Uh, yeah, he does. He's done um, hiking, camping, and and cycling, and all sorts of stuff. But um, he's looking to take on the old uh, to enter. How does he put it? He's going to enter into the uh, hammock argument finally. Oh, cool! Tent versus hammock. Yeah, so he's just about to purchase uh, a hammock, which will be interesting, and. Um, he says that uh, he was inspired to kind of get out more and share some uh, some of his photographs and stuff like that. Yeah, right. Uh, so, yeah, extremely thoughtful email. And uh, I really appreciate that, uh, that you reached out. He also says he signs off. This is a funny, you'll get a laugh out of this. Uh Please don't be offended by me describing you as rambling on. Just a touch of friendly banter. Uh, and, and I'd... <laughs> uh, I like that. And then he, when he signs off, he says, Joe, in brackets, male. <laughs> Perfect. Good on you, Joe. You stick it. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's, that's um, directly <laughs> referencing an awkward situation in the last episode, which was a live Q&A. Mate, look, it's probably been going on for several episodes before that. We don't uh, know. It was, it was before that too because I I talked about that, this this person on the previous one mm. and referred to them as a female on that as well. Yeah. Even face-to-face so, -face you have difficulty with this sort of stuff, nah, I'm sure. I don't I'm know. Sure. If, if you don't have a beard, I just can't work it out. <laughs> it's too hard. <laughs> It could be. Uh, oh, that reminds me. I, I, um, <laughs> that message from Roland. Now you just just because I was the one getting um, no no ribbed by uh. Joe. Then I'm sure there was. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, this is good. Bear with me. It'll be worth it. It will not. Yeah, it will totally be. Oh, my phone's taken ages to. Um, so I read out uh, the message from Roland, but there's a really funny um, bit of banter when I was talking to him in a DM. Uh, I thought it was funny anyway. Where is it? 
Whoa, there's a lot of conversation there. He said, he said, um, I'll see if I can sort out some coffee for you fellas. And then he says, what strength do you like? And then he says, I don't think Craig will mind as it'll probably be half whiskey anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. I Just thought, gotta go with whiskey. Oh, right? he's been, um, <laughs> he's been listening for, for way too long. That's no problem. He also says, um, that, uh. You can tell Ella how much he's listened because he says if if you have some chocolate coated coffee beans, they'll um, help you power through the dungeon. Yeah, right. <laughs> so yeah, ah, geez, I'm glad I remembered that because it was all it's all geared towards me for a second there. <laughs> and um, nice deflection, dude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's all the interesting stuff I've got, mate. Do you want to do you want to give us any uh, insights before we jump into to our uh, conversation with Chase? Mm. How did you How did you feel about that? Oh, the conversation. Yeah, with Chase. Awesome, mate. That was so cool. Um, I think yeah, we we picked his brains on some um, some yeah some deep and meaningful stuff about exercise. We and, did. I think um, we scared him a little bit. We did. Took him to um, some places he wasn't ready for. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but he knows his stuff and it was really nice to have those chats. And uh, as I I might have said, I think I I just knew newcomer to to what he's up to. And um, it was was great to have that conversation, get to know him pretty well. Yeah, I think it was also great to have somebody with such uh, experience, also such specific experience in that he's not just a... Uh, you know, like a strength and conditioning coach, but he specifically gears all of his stuff towards hikers and climbers. So uh, he, he's really in the pocket for for us and everyone listening. And and I really do think you're going to get a lot out of it. Mm. He, he's he's a great fella. Uh, had the best time having a laugh with him and having a conversation. Mm. Uh, I was going to try and sum him up. Uh, you know, summarize what he does. But as I, as I mentioned, when I'm speaking to him, it's, it's hard to, like, how do we explain who you are and what you are? Because he has a long list of, of qualifications from an expedition leader to altitude trainer and all sorts of uh, things. So, uh, I'll leave that for the for the conversation, but um, he does explain all of that very well. Mm. I think um, Aussie yeah. guy um, spent some time on the north side of Brisbane, where we are. And yeah, he used to live um, right n- near us for a n- while. Now he's in uh, where are we calling he's Spain? He's in Spain. Yeah, he's been there for two years, and uh, at this point in time, I think he's quite happy there. Mm. So, yeah, I hope you enjoy this, guys. Again, uh, no matter where you are. What you up to? I hope this uh, podcast brings you a little bit of joy, a little bit of love. If we can spread some of that around, that'd be nice. Take care of yourselves. Take care of others. Have a fantastic time listening to this conversation. Do stick around to the end of the podcast if you can stomach it because uh, um, Chase is 
given away some of his programs uh, to five lucky listeners. So yeah, listen to that and find out how you can be a part of that because it'd be great to um, to share some of his his uh, teachings with you guys. All right, all good, Craig. All good. All right. Enjoy. Take care, guys. Are you still with us, mate? I am. I'm good. I'm intently, uh, intently listening to you guys. Talk <laughs> rubbish. How are you anyway, mate? How's your day been? I'm really good. Yeah, I had. Uh, I mean, as, as well as things can be at the moment. There's so much craziness happening, but yeah, I woke up and uh, had a meeting with a new client and an Australian guy. Yeah. So, and I haven't had an Australian one on one client for a couple of months. So it's good to be able to. To speak in my in your native you know, tongue, in my, mate. In my native tongue. Oh, you're going to be yeah. you're going to be at home tonight with us. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I do. I, this is only my second podcast, and the uh, the first one I felt like. I mean, in general, I feel like I've got to tone down my my accent a bit because people just don't understand me. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, live, I live in Spain. For anyone that's. Uh, yeah, I was just about to get onto that. I was just going to say that um, whilst you do sound like a fellow Aussie for our listeners, you're actually based in Spain at the moment. That's correct, isn't it? Yeah, and it is. How long have uh, you been over there for? It's just clocked over two years. Oh, wow. Jeez. Yeah, and I haven't been home yet. And I was actually planning to come home this December for, for Chrissy, but I don't know if yeah. that's going to be able to happen. So and we'll see, I guess. Can you tell us a little bit about the kind of area that you're in more specifically are you closer to i mean your videos that you record are from your back balcony aren't they for the most part the most recent ones have been yeah, yeah. and, uh, and while, i can see I'm mountains in the background yeah well specifically there's there's one very beautiful mountain called monsterat and uh it's it's a beast i mean i've been here for two years like i said and i've been doing my best to discover all these different trails and I just keep discovering more and more trails and it is really, it's, it's a maze. Like if you were to look at it from a, a bird's eye view, it, it is just made to get lost in. And, and I re I really love that. That's, that's one of the things that really draws me has always drawn me to the outdoors is just the idea of getting to stand somewhere completely new and look around. Yeah. Mm. Especially within the same kind of mountain range but to continually be exploring that's pretty cool i'm uh an hour from the actual pyrenees like the main range that separates spain and okay. france i think yeah. um you'd be well impressed to know that craig and i have done the poor man's Montserrat. oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> the one on the gold coast there's um no where was yeah, it Mount Barney. Mount Barney. Yeah, that's yeah, it. That's yeah, it. that's exactly it. Yeah. <laughs> Camped up there. Uh, so, well, there's all three of us. There's really good spots up, yeah. on that, up on that hill. I've only been up I've only been up there once, maybe twice, but it's really good because you get that vantage point of Barney. You do. And it, it really feels like you're in true wilderness. And, and in fact, I guess you are in, in true wilderness there because there's not really that much around. No. Well, from memory, we... Uh, I took my father there and we um, we camped there for two days down near the stream and we mm. did summit Montserrat and got a cracking shot uh, 
with um, Barney in the background up the top there. But yeah, you, you drive for what at least an hour on some pretty pretty gnarly four wheel drive tracks, pretty steep, and then after that you still hike for what at least two hours. Yeah. 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 So yeah, you're right. You you are getting into the middle of it. There. Hot tip is that the sun comes up just just behind Barney there in the mornings. It's perfect. Yeah. See, Craig yeah. actually Stay camped up, up yeah. on top, whereas I I camped down the bottom and just hiked up uh, one morning with my dad and then came back down. Mm. Yeah, it's a top I'd, spot. I'd be willing. I'd be willing to bet that 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 name originally comes from. The naming of the mountain that I'm living right next oh, to. Oh, no monster. doubt. Yeah, yeah, I bet. Um, and I bet there's no comparison. <laughs> I'd say it'd be pretty cool where you are, mate. I that know. sounds. I mean, I, I when I'm I'm up on Montserrat, I compare it. I constantly compare it to Mount Barney because I, I lived in Brisbane uh, for ten years. In Brisbane, did you I, say? Really? Yeah, I lived in Brisbane for ten oh, years. Oh, whereabouts? And, and I, Ah, uh, all over the place. Um, north side lived, or yeah. south side? Come on, mate. Yeah, that's it. Uh, originally, I was a north sider. I lived in Kelvin Grove. Perfect. Very good. Right and, near us. Um, yeah. And then I uh, jumped ship and I went to the south side. I lived in the Gabba. Oh, that's not too far south. We'll still accept yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> cool. Well, yeah, I was a very kept it central. In a in a very hipster kind of way, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so you compare it to Mount Barney, um, the, the the mountain behind you there. For sure, it's um, I mean it, it's actually Mount Barney's actually higher than than Montserrat. Okay. Oh, is that right? Uh, and, and it's yeah, so it's it's super similar because you have these multiple peaks. I mean, oh, Montserrat. Aren't they, fun? They, they, they they yeah they say Montserrat has like six hundred peaks. <laughs> they're all, you know, very like very tiny. Like you look at they, they're called Las Agullas, which means uh, it's Catalan and it means the needles. So the one, the north uh, western section of the mountain, is called the needles. And there's I don't know maybe a couple of hundred peaks there, just these individual rock spires. All right. And then that's all surrounded by quite dense, almost like rainforest kind of jungle. And then, uh, but it's also really quite a dry, arid sort of environment. And so, yeah, that you can compare a lot to, to Mount Barney. And when I lived in Brisbane, Mount Barney was really, it was my, uh, it was like my sanctuary to get away from Brisbane. Like I would either go to the coast and go for a surf or I'd go out to Mount Barney or if I didn't have much time, I'd go to the Glasshouse Mountains. Yeah. But Barney was definitely my favorite, either that or Mount Maroon. Because if you're on Maroon, you, you're, you're looking at Barney. In the yeah, same way. okay. Yeah. But you're looking at Barney from Montserrat. So, yeah, yeah, I'm pretty familiar with the. Like, Craig uh, lives close to the city, actually, right near Kelvin Grove, where you used to live. Um, but I'm up about 30 minutes from the Glasshouse Mountains. So, I do a fair bit of trail running through there. You may be familiar with the dungeon. Have you ever heard of that? No. Oh, lots of our listeners are because I never shut up about it. <laughs> um, behind Mount Biwa, actually yeah. starts in front of it, um, there's a 10K uh, trail that's called the Dungeon and it just goes into a very, very dark place, a very steep, dark, treacherous <laughs> place. And uh, the first time I ever did it was in a half marathon 
which was the first half marathon I'd ever entered and only second one I'd ever run. And then we got around about to about the 17K mark, 17-kilometer mark, and then um, I stopped at a water station and this lady said, oh, how you feeling? I said, pretty good. And she goes, oh, well, you've got the dungeon now. <laughs> and um, <laughs> by this time, it was a night run as well, so by this time it was pitch black, no moon, and uh, as soon as I went into that deeper kind of forest, you couldn't see anything but what was in your what was in your head torch. It's pretty cool. <laughs> That's oh, the dungeon. I've I've been up to the summit of uh, Biwara a couple of times, but for the vast majority of the time that I lived in Brisbane, it was closed, and oh, I'm wow. really thankful that I that I got up. Yeah, uh, got up on the summit before I moved because being up there for the sunrise. Yep. It is epic. Oh, so I bet cool. It is. Yeah. Because you get, get this wicked that. summit shadow. Uh and it just it just throws this shadow like from from the mountain itself all the way up to like Mullaney and Oh wow. Uh, and that whole ridge. Well, I guess it's more of a it's probably further south than that, but I don't know. It's it's just the it's a beautiful place to spend mm. uh spend the morning. I took a head torch up to the summit a few times by a couple of different routes. Yeah, and uh, this is all done when it was open, by the way. <laughs> and, <laughs> Just to be clear, yeah, it's still open yeah. now, but I know there was a long yeah. period where it wasn't. Yeah, uh, but I mean, I've come down that mountain a couple of times, and I, I totally understand why they closed it off. Yeah, and uh, just the other day, I think I had an article come up on Facebook saying more rescues on Glasshouse Mountains than in the entire rest of the country or something to that effect. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. It's, <laughs> there's something about it. I think when you have something that is accessible, uh, when I say accessible, you can drive there from Brisbane in a short amount of time. You get a few mates together or partners or whatever and start saying, oh, yeah, let's go and do this or Tibrigargan and – uh, which is another mountain uh, in that region, just for the listeners. And all of a sudden, a little bit of bravado kicks in and a little bit of um, carelessness. And, yeah, as you say, next thing, there's there's people stuck halfway up or down and they go into panic. And, uh, yeah, I don't know what it is about that region. I, th I think it's just too accessible, whereas it's a lot harder to get to other places so they don't even make the trip, if you know what I mean. Yeah, it, it's so close. And I guess every time, if you live in Brisbane and you go to the sunny coast for the beach, you, you drive straight past them. Yeah. So absolutely everyone's thinking, oh, no, I might we should go there one, one day. day. Yeah, let's do it next weekend. <laughs> yeah, let's just climb it. Yeah, let's go on Saturday morning at, uh, at 9 a.m. <laughs> yeah, and, and our active wear with everyone yeah, else. For sure. And I guess to give some perspective, uh, for people that aren't that familiar with my background in Brisbane, I used to run a business called Basecamp Adventure Fitness. And so basically every weekend, maybe every sort of second or third weekend, if I'm realistic, we'd take, I'd fill up, fill up the car full of, uh, full of people and then we'd drive out to the mountains surrounding Brisbane and do, you know, four or five, six-hour hike. Like I was always interested in kind of, challenging people and doing something really hard but we always avoided Tibrigargan 
because the rockfall danger there is so significant and you and you have a lot of people who are pretty fresh yep. to the hiking world and and the, the chance of just knocking a, a rock loose there is so high so we we never actually never actually did it we climbed i ran a trip once where we climbed up the east face through the mountaineering route oh wow um, mm. that's pretty brutal that's pretty much 90 cool. degrees isn't it uh, I mean, there's there's sections of it that's 90 f- um, for sure, but I think actually there's probably only one section that's 90 degrees, and it's in it's in like a uh, like a kind of a not a dihedral, but like a big um, chimney. So it's super easy to kind of chimney your way up. But okay. I wouldn't recommend. It is it is it is. It's called the mountaineering route for a reason. You should definitely take a rope on it. But yep, it's it's the best introduction to multi pitch rock climbing you can have because it it goes through you know series of walking and then onto a flat section where you can feel comfortable again and yep. then there's trees and you're like oh i'm bushwalking again and then a bit more climbing and there's certain sections of it that really feel that make you feel like you're exposed and it really makes you feel like you're rock climbing and then you've got cave four and cave three as you're coming up through the, this east face and it just feels epic like yeah there's there's nothing else that you can do as far as i'm aware in in queensland that is that easy that feels so legit and so uh kind of raw and adventurous so yeah it's 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 stunning so, to to even just to look at that uh i think for anybody who's ever traveled up that highway as you say uh especially if they take the old highway route and uh you drive past that thing and it's just i remember it from when i was a kid yeah ever since kids you're driving past just staring yeah. at that going i wonder if people climb that you know someone can climb that that's yeah. amazing i actually uh a friend of mine was taking his uh he, he has he's a pilot and he was taking a plane out and uh he said oh i've got a i've got a spare seat do you want to jump in so um I took my um, I took my GoPro and my camera, and got some. We we actually went around Bioir, and then around um, Tibrigargan twice, uh, and it was such a small aircraft that just felt like we were driving a car, and mm. we got incredibly close, and just looking into those all of those caves and it was absolutely spectacular. To, to realize how high we were off the ground and then look out to the side and we're not even the height of the summit. It was pretty cool. Mm. Yeah. Such a beautiful spot. Yeah, it's good. And a uh, really unique way that those mountains were formed too and the Aboriginal story that, yeah. of how, how their, their creation story is super powerful and really uh, it was something that I – always tried to make sure I told, retold the story as best I could yeah. to people who were with me. And, uh, yeah, when you look around and you start to see the characters from these stories form from the mountains yep. and you get, you get a really, for me, that's probably the, the only place where I've started to, you know, feel like I have a, a connection to country. Yeah. So it's a super important place for me. Yeah, again, as you say, that that proximity to to a major city. I went to um, a couple of years back now. I 
It's not it's not Carnarvon. What's the other one that starts with a C, Craig? It's about um two days drive from here. Oh right. The gorge, you mean? Yeah, maybe it is Carnarvon Gorge. Yeah. I think it is. Yeah, it is I Carnarvon Gorge. Yeah, I'm confusing it with another one that's closer. No, yeah, so Carnarvon, we drove out to there, and that's the first time I've ever seen uh, cave art, and there's a mm. particular spot where you pull over and you hike down to this cave, and they've done the, uh, you know, how they put the, um, what do they call that uh, red dirt, the ochre dirt mm. in their mouth with some water, and then they spray their hands. So there's all these stencils of um, hands, uh, who knows how long those hands have been painted on there. And when you look into the history of that area, um, it's pretty cool. You can read about it on some of the plaques around the hike. And they apparently used that area as a central meeting place for thousands of years. And so they'd congregate Mm. there something like once a year to, I guess, just exchange... um, or well, everything, I guess, ideas, values, stories, uh, stories yeah, yeah um, information on how they're traveling and what's happening in their region. And um, Hey, Chase, yeah. is it easy for you to recall one of those stories of the Glasshouse Mountains for us, just to fill us in Ooh. on what you used to Ooh, tell people? Pretty on the spot. So. I mean, I certainly can. It's it's a pretty basic story. Yeah. But my my only concern is that will I kind of uh, do it justice? <laughs> but uh, if, if you think if you think that uh, your listeners would be interested in it, then I'll I'll certainly do my best. But I may butcher it just as a. <laughs> I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what to make you feel better. What we'll do is, um, you tell your version as best as you know it, and if uh, if I can find a version on online somewhere which which kind of goes through the story in a bit more detail, I'll post that on the on the podcast show notes page. Mm. People can read that in more detail. But everybody, don't hold him to it. Because <laughs> the reason I'm glad that you didn't ask me is because I've got a very rough, rough version of it as well, but I don't well, I, kind of feel the same. I can, I can, yeah, I'm, I'm wondering if I've ever heard it before, so I'm just not sure if I have. So I'm just wondering what it would be. Do you yeah. want to okay. have a crack at it, mate? <laughs> I'll have a crack, yeah. <laughs> so... The characters in the story are each one of the mountains. So there is, from memory, there's 11 mountains uh, in that region that are these volcanic plugs. So the mountains are a family. The mother of the family is Biwa. Yes, so I've, I've got some notes on the screen while you're talking. So yes, you're bang on so far. Biwa is a, the largest tallest peak out of the family. So Biwa is uh, with child as well. So that's why you have the, the significant kind that of bump. kind of bulge, yeah. Yeah. All right. The, fa- the father is Tibragagan. So Tibragagan is the, is the one as you drive up the Gold Coast Highway. That yep. kind of, uh, sorry, Sunny Coast Highway. Kind of looks like a gorilla to me. Yeah. So he, he's the father. And... The other significant character of the story, I think, is uh, Kronurwin. Yeah, Kronurwin. Pronouncing that right. The the and, eldest eldest son, I think. Yeah. So, crook, some you know we would call it crookneck crook people yeah. because it has this at the very summit. It has this kind of very significant bend. So, the story goes that 
the family one day, the family of mountains were enjoying their morning and uh, Tipper Gargan noticed that the sea levels were rising and he sort of sensed danger and he told uh, Kurnu and the eldest brother to round up all his younger brothers and sisters and draw them back from the encroaching water and you know collect them and bring them back to safety of the the higher land which would be i guess the Mullaney range yeah yep but rather than doing what his father told him to kurnuan was terrified of the rising water and he abandoned his family and he started to move away up to the mountain and yep tibragan being the father wasn't too happy about that i think the story goes greatly angered is what i'm reading (laughs) he was was very upset um and he feel like you know kurnuan had chained his family so he quite violently smashed him over the head with a a big stick and that's why kurnuan has a a crook neck and is not looking so good gee so that's as as much as I know and the, can recall, the bit I like now you've you've got that bang on by the way for all our listeners. Yeah. I was literally reading, um, reading it while you were telling the story, and you've yeah. nailed it. Oh, awesome! The additional part that I've always liked is uh, is what happened after that, and um, uh, Kunal. Oh, it's hard to say these names right. Kunoran went over to Tibrigargan and asked for his for- forgiveness, but filled with shame at his son's cowardice, uh, Tibrigargan could do nothing but weep tears, which, trickling along the ground, formed a stream that flowed into the sea. So then Kunoran went back to his brothers and sisters, but they also wept at the shame of their brothers. Now, um, what ends up happening is Tibrigargan turns his back on his son and vowed that he would never look at him again. And that's why if you look at the the shape of those mountains, it looks like head and shoulders and there's almost like a a face of sorts and it's definitely facing east, which is um, the complete opposite direction of, um, of Coonerin. Oh, so yeah. Thanks, guys. I honestly don't. I've I grew up there um, in, in that Caboolture area, and I don't believe I've ever heard that. <laughs> um, it's, it's certainly a lot more interesting than just looks like glass houses from sea, which is what we were taught. If you think yeah, that's the, how it was the named. Western version, I guess. Yeah. But mate, you did well. Yeah. I give you. I give you like a ten out of ten for that. No. <laughs> I I think I forgot that last part, but. Yeah, I I love the the explanation of, of the creeks and yeah um, yeah those, those and, and I didn't remember those by the way I would had to read them but I did remember why he was uh, turned his back because that always mm. made me sad because you know that other lookout that you can drive up to and it's got the the wooden um, wild horse that's I think it is oh no 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 wild horse is on the eastern yeah. side of the freeway there's another one up in the in the middle there it's much it's shorter yeah but yeah that is a nice little account yeah well, it, it has a a big um plaque there and it 
and it basically tells the entire story as you've just told it. And I always remember getting to the end of it and just as a kid, I remember reading it and just feeling so sad that the um, the father just would never look at his son again. I thought, wow, that's... Uh, it's pretty that's heavy. <laughs> it is. Now now as a father myself, I think that's even deeper. Yeah. And uh mm. Yeah, wow. We got deep pretty quickly. Hey, something yeah. uh um I wanted to ask you about. So you kind of establishing a little bit of an idea of 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 where you've got to where you are. You were you born in uh born or just grew up in Tasmania? I was born in the Launceston Hospital oh, wow. yeah, in 1985 and I lived in Scottsdale, which is a small uh, forestry kind of town, like north of, in the, in the northeast of Tassie. Um, and that's where the, the majority of my father's family have lived for quite a while. And, but for all of my childhood, I lived in Devonport, which is, for anyone that's been to Tassie via the boat, you'll know where that is. It's where the spirit of Tasmania comes into port. Yeah. Yep. I flew into there once too, which was, um, cause you can fly into one of two places if you want to get to the overland track. Yeah. If you fly into Devonport, you've got to take one of those little dash eights, one of those little buzzers, <laughs> like uh, twin, twin prop planes. Oh yeah, that's um, but, exactly what I did. Yeah, that's right. And then the second time, uh, I did a bit more research and and I flew in with Craig and we we just flew in a regular aircraft. Yeah, which was to the other guess, the other airport. To, to Lonnie. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. I couldn't remember which um, order it was, but that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, Dem Demport's um, marginally closer, but it's always going to be more expensive if you're flying to Lonnie. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I found that out. I mean, it was an expensive trip, but <laughs> you, uh, you did that um, the overland track when you were about twenty-one. Is that right? Yeah, bang on. I think I turned twenty-one on on the overland track. Oh, how memory. cool is that? That's good. Yeah. Um. So I I was in uni when I when I did it. I did it with three mates, and I didn't really have any any gear like i remember borrowing some gear from from friends and um just parents and uh family and and stuff even though i'd done like a little bit of hiking here and there like we, we would drive from from Dimport in sometimes even in the afternoons or on the weekends and we'd go and like run up barn bluff or we'd go to uh, out the back of La Trobe and just go sort of bashing through the bush. And a lot of the, a lot of the time that might've just been in cars to go and look at the mountains or just to go and hang out. But I'd, I'd done like bits and pieces of hikes. And the first real adventure I had was, was climbing Barn Bluff and yeah. coming back, coming back down Marion's lookout for, for anyone that's done the overland track. It's the first, it's the sting. Yeah, uh, it is the, the sting. very first. Uh, the very first, you know, few minutes basically of the overland track. So it I remember is, coming yeah. down there in a car <laughs> with, uh, <laughs> yeah, with like no head torch mm. or nothing, like just some some crappy gear and maybe some some like running shoes. 
and I think I was pretty hooked from that moment. But I always loved Cradle Mountain. Like my my dad would take us up there. We would go up there as a family and spend time up there as as kids, and we'd stay in the Cradle Mountain Lodge. Yep. Yep. Because uh, my dad was doing conferences up there for work so we would get put up like the whole family would get put up in these oh, cabins perfect. So, so mint like i absolutely loved it it was like having christmas every time because a lot of the time <laughs> yeah. it'd be in winter and you're like feeding the animals which of course you shouldn't do we didn't know it kind of in those days <laughs> like just just playing around in the snow and getting to just to see the mountain and feel like how wild it is there yeah, it was just such. It's just such a vivid memory of my childhood, and I found a photo of me as a kid there the other day, and it's like so nice to to look at, especially since I haven't been home in like yeah, I've been back in Tassie in like two and a half years, and I haven't been back in Australia for for two years. So. Yeah, well, we we uh we checked out Tassie for you, and it's still all good. You'd be happy to know. Yeah. It's very Wait, good. When did we go down, Craig? Was it last year? The year before? It feels like last year, but it, it oh, was yeah. like fair. No, it might have been last year. I think February. we're coming up to it. The year we just had the year anniversary. Yeah. yeah. So it would have been February last year, was it? Um. Anyway, slightly later. Yeah. So last year we went down for the uh, Cradle Mountain Film Festival. <laughs> yeah. Um. Nice. Yeah, had an awesome time and and tacked. Uh, so we stayed for two nights. Uh, down there, and then we um. Tacked, a, tacked the overland track on the end of that trip. Yeah, it was nice. Cause I said to Craig, I'm not traveling all that way for two nights and then not doing the overland track. <laughs> yeah, we're right there at the start. We had to do it, eh? Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> that was great. And uh, Chase, something that I'm kind of, um, I'm not exactly sure of, I guess not so much of the chronological order, but, but how things kind of came to be from this a guy who just, uh, you know, really enjoyed uh, being outdoors and then you, you started climbing and all that sort of stuff. But when I look at uh, your sort of resume or your list of qualifications, I'm seeing things like... Uh, base camp training specialist, uh, expedition leader, uh, qualified personal trainer, qualified altitude trainer, um, strength and conditioning coach. Uh, what in what order did some of these things eventuate? And and at, and at what point did you, you know, were you ever just a the typical kind of um, personal trainer, or or was it always geared towards getting into the mountains? From from in terms of my career in the fitness industry, it yep. was a hundred percent. It was day one uh, that it was designed okay. for the mountain. Yeah, <clears throat> um, I mean, there. If you look at if you, if you look into my I don't know timeline, as you said, like there's a a good gap of uh, you know when I was sort of twenty two to 24 25 where i wasn't really doing much just kind of being a dirt bag and working a uh uh working for a multinational food and beverage company and not really enjoying my life and uh and then i did that yeah i did that for four years partly partly in tassie and partly in 
Queensland and I took a, I quit that job. I took a year off and I traveled um, through Southeast, Southeast Asia, India, Nepal and Europe. Was and that the first home. time you'd visited those places? Yeah, yeah. I hadn't, I hadn't really done any overseas travel uh, until that point other than I did live in the States when I was 19 and I worked at a summer camp bit of fun but yeah that was the first time i'd really kind of been overseas and that that definitely changed my perspective on, on, on almost everything in life and i got i got home i knew i wanted to do something in the outdoors i tried guiding for a little while i was uh mountain bike guiding in the blueies for a bit and bushwalking guiding and i worked for mountain designs in one of their stores oh cool for a while and and i also worked for Cedar Summit for a bit, yeah, which was wow. super cool because I got to I got to meet a bunch of people in the industry and they are like a a really great company and they make some exceptional gear. Oh so yeah, that was kind we of just, my, yeah, was we my, use my plenty foot. of their gear. Yeah, Actually, yeah, so if, do I. if we can we can pause there, mate. I think I saw you cooking in one of their. Um, it's like a it's it's like we use for cups, but it's got a, a steel base on the bottom. Is that right? Oh, the silicon yeah. kind of pop. pop yeah, up it thing. pops yeah. up. It's got a steel bottom on it. The X pop. It's great. Yeah, you're so, so good. Yeah, it packs down completely flat. Really flat in your pack. It's yeah, pretty awesome idea. Yeah, crazy yeah. concept. Uh, when I first saw it, I remember thinking, "Hang on a second, how does that work?" <laughs> yeah. But uh, no, it seems some people yeah. uh, swear it, by them. No, they're great. I mean, it's like you would think it would burn because it's 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 got a you know a metallic base, obviously, and yep. then silicon around the outside. And mine has like I've probably been a bit given the the uh, stove a bit too much gusto, and it's probably started to like singe a little bit around the silicon. Yeah. But it doesn't. It's, it seems to be like kind of flame retardant. Well, or something, but I don't want to give of... too much away here, but uh, yeah. Chase, I do a little bit of baking. Okay. And <laughs> and uh, in my travels in the baking world, they <laughs> man, lots of people swear by the silicon, and they chuck it in their oven for um really an hour and a half to p- cook muffins in. Nothing happens to it. All right, blows my mind because you can just sort of pop them out. Yeah, they're flexible, so that yeah. oh yeah, there you go. So you heard it first. <laughs> I bake. Has this baking been inspired by the uh, coronavirus lockdown by any chance? I'm not going to lie. I I cook a lot. Craig knows this. So I have um, friends around every couple of months and do a massive uh, camp oven cook up. So, but I, I you're, you're bang on. I've increased the intensity and I've tried a lot of new things. Uh, and, it, you know, all with just... I've just really enjoyed it, mate. To be honest, I've I keep saying to people, if you're not taking anything positive out of this, um, you know, for the most part, at least, and then, then I, you know, you might be doing something wrong. And uh, I do need to caveat that, obviously, if if somebody's lost a family member, that's that's a completely different story. But but for the majority of us who are just asked to stay at home, um, I've found a a whole bunch of of um, pastimes. And yeah, mate, cooking uh, pumpkin scones is one of them too. <laughs> Chase, how have you been coping with the the lockdowns, mate, and the the restrictions on getting out and doing what you normally do? I've been 
coping pretty well. I mean, now I'm fine. I mean, I'm in like the best possible scenario because the uh, the restrictions are more or less lifted. Like I can, as far as I'm aware, go out to the mountain for as long as I want, I think. Uh, and I've been able to run for about three weeks or four weeks now. So that's that was the main thing that was really uh, – kind of damaging to my calm because I for eight weeks I couldn't go outside other than to go to the supermarket or to the pharmacy or something. And mm. when you're in a physical position like I am looking at the mountain, like knowing how good it is, <laughs> understanding that I can easily sneak out of my house and walk 200 metres when I'm in the national park, I'm like, <laughs> just do it. But to my... Uh, I'm quite proud of this that I, I can honestly say that I didn't break quarantine. Although now I wish I did because I'm thinking, oh, I could have just gotten away with this the whole time and I would have been able to like, I would have been super fit by now because I lost like eight weeks of of, uh, of aerobic training. No, you did the right thing, mate. If, if, if everyone if everyone thought they could just sneak out, there'd be a, you know, thousand people up there. You, you did the right thing. Yeah. Commend yeah. you for that. Yeah, I uh, I can't attribute that to myself. My uh, girlfriend has a very very strong moral compass, and she keeps me. <laughs> well, you still should take some credit life. for that for uh, <laughs> you know, hanging around a person like that. <laughs> yeah, no, but I managed. Like we, I basically turned my balcony into like a mini gym. Like I set up my gymnastics rings, and I brought a step out, so I was doing step ups and. I was, I did attempt to do some aerobic training, and I think I even I made like a couple of little videos about it on yeah. Instagram, saying like, "This is how you can do aerobic training for mountains and climbing." Yeah. But realistically, it's just like it doesn't even compare to be able, being able to go out on trail and go running or hiking. No, but but to your credit, I think that there's a maintenance there that you're much better off if you're maintaining some level of movement for when you do get back out there and i mean that's about the time when um i've been following you for quite some time on instagram and then uh i noticed that you put up a couple of specific kind of um video posts or stories uh from memory with a little bit of um training style stuff and i thought i've got to look into this guy a little bit more and then when I went over to YouTube that's when I really saw the whole kind of gamut of um, uh, exercise. Exercise is not the right word because it's it's so much, um, I don't know, there's so much more science behind it. I really appreciate the way that you put your videos together and the, um, yeah, the, I was just telling someone just a couple of days ago actually, I said, I, I shared one of your videos and I said, it's not just what he says, sorry, it's not just what he demonstrates, it's the way in which he frames the information and uh, you, you just got this really calm kind of demeanor and I like that because it's too easy to get wrapped up into these, um, uh, you know, there's a lot of channels out there where they're they're trying to be um, heroes or, or and that sort of stuff, and and you very skillfully bypass all of that and bring a lot of good science to 
to and theory to to what you're doing so well done mate thank you i really appreciate that it's it's really nice to hear uh i do put a, a fair amount of work into the youtube channel so it's really nice to get that kind of feedback and i hope i hope people have a similar experience because that's kind of what i'm going for oh there's no um, doubt and there's no doubt that after people listen to this podcast and they go and look you up i have no doubt they're going to get um nothing but benefit i mean i mean i'm talking post COVID-19 like this this is not just about um staying in shape for lockdown this stuff is um you know how how would you kind of sum it up it's to me it's it's about connecting the entire body together for the most part so not just you know doing squats it's about doing lunges and all sorts of um mm. things that are that are you know joining that kinetic chain almost yeah the, the best way that I can explain it is that uh, the vast majority of training out there will give you information on the type of exercises to do. Like if you if you Googled or looked on Reddit like how to train for hiking or mountaineering, yep. there'll be information in there that is good. It'll say, you know, you need to promotely go hiking. You need to do squats and lunges to build significant strength. And uh, you need to build your experience in the outdoors and all that kind of stuff. And that information is spot on. And in some posts, people even go into saying, oh, you should be doing 20 squats and 20 lunges by you yep. know, four or five sets. Again, yep. pretty good information. But the, what is important is the quality of each and every rep that you do, especially yeah. when you're doing strength training. And I'm... I'm predominant. I'm I'm in a weird position because hiking and mountaineering are predominantly or exclusively endurance-based activities. But I'm a strength coach primarily. So whilst I do deal in programming and designing aerobic or cardiovascular-based uh, programs, yep. I'm predominantly a strength strength coach. So my kind of philosophy is that the movements that you do need to be of high quality first before you build the quantity and it's really about bulletproofing and preparing the body for the situation where you roll an ankle or you uh, tear a muscle in your hip or you start to feel fatigued on a long run that's those little windows of opportunity that come through and when you're doing endurance activities those little windows of opportunity for injury and growing up in Tasmania I'm very familiar with how difficult it can be to get out of the wilderness if you're injured like that yep. so my first and foremost priority when I'm training anybody is to make sure that I've done everything that I possibly can to make sure they're not going to get injured first and then we can talk about whether you're strong enough or whether you are cardiovascularly capable of yeah. going up or down because those things in my mind those things are not as uh important because if you're not that cardiovascular fit you'll just suffer more than everyone else and yeah. that is that's okay you know you can deal with that what you can't deal with is rolling an ankle yep. or tearing an acl when you're five days from the nearest road or yeah. 100%. Something like to that effect. So I've, and I haven't, it hasn't always been like that. I've developed this kind of philosophy over 
eight years of working with people. And I guess when I started, I, I did start with, I started the business. And when I say business, it was literally just me for the first two years or so. And I was pretty much just doing re- what you would see a regular personal trainer do. And then we'd go hiking on the weekend and I'd share the skills and that kind of thing. So that's the, the way that I kind of differentiated myself initially. But now it, it has become, I guess it's like the old thing of conscious competence and unconscious competence because now I, over these years, I began to understand what I didn't know, which is a lot. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I like really tried to, to, to teach myself and, and bridge that gap between uh, to the point where I'm now learning about so deep into anatomy and physiology that it almost seems irrelevant to, to where I was when I first started because originally I was like, sweet, okay, I've got this great idea. I'm going to walk people up and down hills and they're going to pay me for it. <laughs> and I get to be outside all the time. That is a good idea. And, I'm just writing that down. Yeah, yeah but, I mean, <laughs> the, uh, I've left the market in Brisbane. It's, it's <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, re- I literally just started with that idea of like, oh, yeah, I can like, I know. I th- basically what happened was I, I got home from traveling and I I reached a point I, I, I was actually working for Cedar Summit at the time and I really wasn't enjoying it because I, I couldn't, I didn't have structure in my life. I was a traveling salesman basically for Cedar Summit. So I was all over the joint, like because I was from Tassie, I was, I was representing them in Tassie and Queensland. I was just traveling all the time and I just, it drove me absolutely mad, even though I love the products, I love the company and I loved being around that environment. Um, and working for them it was just the structure of the lifestyle that just it wasn't agreeing with me and i just spat the dummy and, and quit and i just sat around for like two weeks thinking about what i was going to do with my life in a, in a if i'm honest like a very dark not very productive way but i think those times in life are very useful to us and that's when i kind of came up with the idea that i would you know start training people predominantly for things like kokoda and Everest Base Camp and uh, the Annapurna Circuit because I'd just come back from doing hikes like that. So that information yeah. was like real fresh in my mind. Uh, yeah, that's how it started. Oh, that's great. That's cool, Chase. So can I just – I've, um, you know, injured my ankle a couple of times in the past and it's, you know, given me a lot of grief actually. And, you know, I had physios and they said, oh, you, now that it's it's injured, you have to strengthen it again. So we did a lot of exercises around strengthening strengthening – joints and ankles and is that how you prevent injuries is just by making those um movements stronger and uh, tell me a bit more about how you prevent yourself from injuring i I guess ankles and knees are pretty common in in the wilderness yeah so uh the ankle is predominantly its main function is to be a mobile joint right yeah the knee its primary function is to be a stable joint right so and, and as you move up the body, really interesting, as you go from joint to joint to joint, it switches between mobile, stable, mobile, stable, mobile, stable, if you look at the way the body's built, right? Yeah. So ankle ankle has to be mobile predominantly. So what's probably happened, <clears throat> excuse me, what's probably happened when you injured your ankle is you, you moved into a range of motion that your body didn't have control and strength within that range. 
So you've gone into mm-hmm. pronation or something to that effect, which pronation is like you're rolling out. You've rolled out too far without, you've gone into a range where the body wasn't prepared for. It didn't have control and strength within that range. So right. something has to give in that system. And that may have been any number of muscles or ligaments or tendons within that that is responsible or involved in that movement. Sure. Does that make sense? Yeah, sure. So therefore, if you um, add a bit of training and strength, you can keep it within the normal like range of, of movement. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Yeah, essentially, yes. But what's most important first is is mobility. So to be able to be strong, like you have a certain range of, of strength. So if you bring your hands out in front of you and look at your two hands and you have them a foot distance apart, right? So that's your range of strength. Yeah, but mobility, the full range of the movement is much wider than that. Now you bring your your hand, your arms out to two feet wide. So let's say you have uh, that very short range, one foot distance of strength, but the ankle is able to move out in that much greater range, the full, complete, natural range of motion. Mm-hmm. So what we need to do is first. Uh, allow yourself to be able to move into that full range of strength, uh, full range of motion. Mm-hmm. And then once we have the range of motion, we start to build control. And that is essentially a component of strength. So if you can move within a full range of motion and exercise control, mm-hmm. then that demonstrates strength. So m- mobility and strength really, uh, they go together, but they kind of dovetail. They're both factors that are, that are incredibly important flexibility is a different thing flexibility is being able to simply be able to move into that range of motion but it's just a floppy kind of move where you don't actually have the control mm-hmm. so yeah that a, i uh, have noticed your uh, another thing another point on your videos is you do so much of the so many of the exercises slowly and with you know, it's it's not this thing where you go, okay, everyone, we're going to do uh, five lunges and you're just stomping it out, right? That's five done. You know, mm-hmm. I, I was just doing some lunges this week from uh, from one of your videos and uh, a few other bits and pieces I, I hacked together from a few of your videos and I slowed it down to the pace that you were doing it, tried to focus on all the points that you brought up throughout your video and, man, it's... it's um, it gets the heart rate going. That static hold is, um, yeah. it feels horrible. I mean, I know it's doing some good, but it's hard work. Hmm. Yeah. Um, so this is a component of another important component of strength, which is time under tension. So if you think about doing a squat, as you said earlier, just like bashing out five squats, it might have taken you five seconds or less to do five squats, right? But yep. if you did, if you took... 10 seconds to do each one of those five squats that's 50 seconds of work yeah so you can start to see how quality of movement and slow things down is a going to increase the intensity of the exercise and intensity doesn't necessarily mean you're going fast and and you're giving your 100 percent effort intensity is a is multifaceted so it's a combination of lots of different things so if you're taking 10 seconds to a squat then those muscles are under tension for such a long time and that's where we begin to build strength. We, we're incapable of building strength without 
adequate time under tension. So for the most part, yeah, all of the exercises that I do, especially in those videos, because they are beginner videos, are yep. slow and under control because A, like I said before, my, my first priority is not injuring anyone and B, that's a significant factor for strength building. Yeah. Well, I've got to take uh, a step and, back there because you... Um, I always struggle with those videos, and now you're saying they're for beginners. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's the easy one. Yeah, he brings well, out the hard ones later. <laughs> yeah, I feel silly now. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I think people, they read into it too much when I say things are beginner because I, I can perform those things and that they can still be hard for me, you know, but it doesn't necessarily mean that that it's a beginner exercise, that it just means that it's accessible and it's, a, and it's a, healthy, a healthy starting the, the point. The complexity of the movement itself is within the range of a person starting out. Yeah, hmm. yeah. And you, you, even if you were advanced and you've been training for two years with consistent improvement, you may well do one of those exercises and still struggle. It doesn't mean that you're not... Like I, I can take an incredible mountain athlete who is, you know... A member of the New Zealand Alpine team and put him through he, him or her through uh, a routine like that and even though they're one of the most athletic people in the southern hemisphere and in a mountain sense they, they will still struggle so it's it's uh, I think the most important thing to understand is that fitness is, is so multifaceted especially when it comes to mountaineering there's so many things that we that we need to take into account and everyone's going to have a weakness, right? You need to be okay with being a beginner, like be, be a student in yeah. something. Even if, you're, even if you've climbed Everest and all of the seven summits and you're this weapon, you still need to be a student in something. something there's some way for you to improve for sure. So That's one of the great points that, that you make in, I've, I've heard you say it in at least one, one video and that is, it's okay if you find that you can't do something, you can't do one of these exercises, that's a good thing because you've just discovered a weakness. And if you've discovered a weakness, it means that you can work on that and focus on that and improve it. Yeah. Without that conscious awareness of where we are not competent, we can't move forward to better ourselves. So slowing down and, and doing things with purpose and care exposes those areas of weakness. If you rush through something, then you'd be like, yeah, I'm smashing this. He just said do five squats and I did five yeah, squats. Yeah, did five squats, yeah. No, you, you're 100% correct. I definitely, uh, I've, um, I actually wanted to do a bunch more, but last week, um, as I was telling you, uh, when we were messaging each other, I had a little bit of a mild cold, so I, uh, I kind of toned down the the workouts through that period, but uh, but I did manage to get a, a few in and adapt a few things. So yeah, th thanks for keeping uh, keeping my buns in shape, mate. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. That's the uh, overall goal. Yeah, that's uh, fantastic. And just quickly, mate, while while we're getting a bit of a lesson on. Um... On strength, mate. You will be just when you send the invoice, Chase. Can yeah. you send it to Craig's email? I don't want. I don't want any part of this. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if that's what you signed up for, but that's um. This is a, this is an opportunity here. Do you I do you think that? I charged by the hour, didn't I? <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going to say. Oh, it's Craig's shout. 
Yeah. Um, I've actually got a couple of, a few things to ask you because um, I, I, I could start by saying, look, Tom said, worded me up to, to check you out recently. And then I realized I'd watched you, one of your videos before that, because I was getting into the, the you've got some barefoot boots that you are pretty happy with. And I think that came up might be three or four weeks ago on my mind. Yeah, that was just recent, wasn't it? It was only recent, but it was before you'd even uh, mentioned this. So I, I had already seen you there and I was really wrapped in what you were saying. Uh, it was like we were kindred that we need to be able to feel the ground and these boots are like, and I, I was so surprised to see them because I haven't seen anything like them, the boots that you wear. Could you tell us a little bit about those boots? And then my other question is about whether you think ankle support in a boot is all it's cracked up to be or is it something that you have to have a, a you know strength in your ankle or or, or or what what should we be looking for uh so yeah those boots i am i'm really happy with them they they have been on the market for like two years uh unbeknownst to me mm. i was just kind of scrolling on instagram and i scrolled up to this ad and it showed this hugely flexible hiking boot and i yeah i dabbled in minimal footwear i pretty much always like in in the gym and everything worn like zero drop shoes i didn't run in zero drop shoes but i i uh did a lot of my just general kind of walking around and training either barefoot and any minimal shoes and i have always kind of preferred to use trail runners especially right. in queensland yeah because i i like that uh sensory relationship to the ground and being able to feel when things are slipping i remember going on a few hikes with with uh my clients back in the day and i just for some reason decided to wear to wear boots and i was like slipping all over the place and falling <laughs> over. incredibly unprofessional yeah. and and they were like making fun of me and stuff and i'm like oh, i just i prefer to use trail runners i don't even know why i chose to wear these boots mm -hmm. but um i guess to to your second part of the question like there and I talked about it in the video, but there's you you do have to kind of look at which what kind of environment you're going into and decide what kind of footwear you're going to wear. Like I don't think I would wear those boots in you know a West Coast Tassie wilderness situation. Mm -hmm. I would probably wear them on the Three Capes track because that's all predominantly boardwalk, as far as I know. Mm, yeah, um, yeah, and that's like it's perfect for for that. Yeah. They're not a particularly kind of rugged boot, but in terms of ankle support, yeah, I I don't know. I think you really kind of have to ask a physiotherapist. I'm probably speaking outside of my uh, of my education in my league here, but my <laughs> general feeling is that ankle support is up to the ankle. It's not up to the boot. Yeah. So if you, for some reason twisted like i kind of think about it like if you twist your ankle in a boot you could twist your ankle in a trail runner it wouldn't be any different like mm -hmm. the, the fact that you have a slightly higher upper in your boot doesn't necessarily mean it's going to stop you from no. tearing tearing something like if you're going to tear it it's going to tear right that's my that's my kind mm. of general feeling on the, on the on the thing i'd say i i definitely agree with you on that i have felt i've got i mean in comparison to Craig's ankles I've got like incredible Hulk ankles apparently because all, all I wish you had given him a solution I wouldn't have to listen to him talk about them anymore <laughs> but uh any, anyway uh, uh yeah so 
on one or two occasions on very brutal terrain, I've gone to step on something and then only kind of made contact with a with a quite a tall boulder or something on on one side of say the inside of the foot for argument's sake and as I've applied my weight the uh, outside of my foot has snapped down really really quickly and I'm just because I don't wear really high boots would you call ours mid Craig or are they high well, I think they're high, those, um, the, the four Ds. Yeah, yeah I, I guess they, they are high. They do come up above that bulge in the ankles. Mm. And yeah, I, I, it's hard to say because you can never put yourself back in a, in the same situation. But, uh, but I guess to your point, what I will say is I've done extensive hikes in low cut shoes. I've done tons of trail running um, you know, up and down gun gun and, and all around there. And I have had occasions where at f absolute full pelt, and I'm sure you've, you've experienced this at absolute full pelt, you step on a rock and your ankle snaps to one side for a split second. And you're already three steps past that. And you get this shockwave of, oh no, what have I done? And then you realize, mm. oh, actually I'm hundred percent fine. Yeah, and that's one of the best feelings, and it's yes. one of the benefits of because uh, you start to feel bulletproof. You're like, yes, nothing can stop yeah. me. You know, like something <laughs> like that happens to you. I've even had like audible sounds come out of my ankle Ooh. sometimes when that happens. Yeah, and I and I, and I like hobble for a bit. And I'm like, no, ah, I'm cool. actually, like, I'm, I'm okay. We, we we got through <laughs> it. Yeah. So, um, I think one of the the most basic things that I want to drop a couple of nuggets for people that are listening. Like yeah, if you're worried do. about your ankles, um, like if you just stand barefoot and with one leg, just pretend like you're rolling your ankle and just see how, see how low you can, or see how much you can pronate, see how much you can get your ankle to roll out in a way that it typically would. Yep. And then the, and that way you can start to explore your range of motion. So exploring your mobility and then, maybe we can start to explore if we can build strength within that range so that the next time this happens, your body is familiar with that territory Yep. and it's just a matter of controlling the movement and, and recovering and then continuing, continuing on in, in with the next step. So, yeah. yeah. Well, that, that's I an interesting concept though. I mean, I'm guessing you can uh, associate or apply that same theory to another joint like the knee. Yeah. So that what I mentioned before is that the knee is predominantly a stable joint. So the knee's job is to en enable uh, or to provide a stability point between the ankle and the hip. Yep. So to be, you don't, typically you don't want to mobilize the knee unless you've had surgery or something where you really have like very little, right. um, or if you're doing kind of fairly extreme, not extreme, but quite advanced, like body weight movement, you might want to start mobility, uh, mobilizing the knees. But the knees' job primarily uh, in terms of like joints is to help to be a stable point between the, the ankle and the hip, and they're both mobile joints. Like yeah. it would be weird if all your joints were mobile. Yeah, no, well, as soon as you said that <laughs> earlier, I thought that is I've, I've absolutely profound. I've, I was thinking of it when you mentioned it again just before. I'm thinking about the wrist – 
and shoulder in comparison to the elbow. I mean, it's just a, it's just so easy when you when you now that you mention it, I can't ever forget that. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, the the arm is the exact, it's the upper body equivalent of yeah. that. So yeah, why would you ever need to mobilize your elbow? You don't. Yeah, no, and, and I mean, I'm sure if if um by some freak of nature you could, I'm sure you'd lose, uh, definitely have to lose some kind of strength in that because you wouldn't be able to get that rigidity that you need for certain movements. Yeah, and it's, uh, yeah, rigidity is one word, but durability is a word that I use a lot because it's, you know, we're going into environments that are inherently treacherous and we, although we do have, the inherent ability to move over difficult terrain and you know as humans that spend most of our time in the city we are as we go out into nature more we are gaining back that that you know deep seated kind of knowledge of yeah. being able to move over terrain but that terrain is inherently dangerous to us so <laughs> there's always those challenges that are, that are going to find our weak points and so it's, I feel like it's my job to kind of help people discover their weak points before they go into an environment like that so that they don't have to call a helicopter. Yeah. Have you ever uh, done any um, barefoot trail running? I d- yeah, I've done bits and pieces. Oh, and, I, uh, yeah. Tell me about that. Well, tell me about scary. your experience. Uh, my experience is that my plantar fascia, so like all the muscles on the bottom of the feet yeah. start screaming. Is that right? Not when I'm running. The day after. Is that right? The day or two after, the plantar fascia. So I think about that like, oh, wow. it's maybe like a weak point. So that that, that, that plantar fascia essentially acts like a spring. Yeah, yeah, I'm familiar with that, yeah. So for me, I guess my, my plantar fascia isn't springing you or mobile enough. Yeah, that's so, interesting. If you, if you, for anyone that's interested in like any kind, anything barefoot, look into Tony Riddle. He is a UK, uh, an English guy, and he is on Instagram. He's the 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 natural lifestylist, I think, and he is the barefoot guy. Like, I don't know much about barefoot stuff. I'm loosely interested in it, uh, but Tony Riddle is the man. He, he's run like the entire length of the UK from north to south, or something like that. Barefoot. Oh wow. So he's he's a, he's a unit, um, and he he's just a really interesting guy to follow. I really I appreciate his his content. Yeah, the uh, I've I've done it myself. Um, I try and do shorter distances on a local trail, sort of three to five kilometers, and uh, I'm happy to say I've I've never had that discomfort. Uh, I in fact, he, you know, hearing that from you, who is who is. Um, you know, spend so much time. Uh, yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad to hear that. Uh, um, that I don't have that problem, <laughs> to be honest. But yeah, I yeah. find it. Um, I find it. I find that I take a different gait. My stride's different. My pace is different. Um, I'll hit different sections. Some of the section. Uh, on the trail is actually sand, believe it or not, and mm. it's the it's the weirdest thing to run on after you've been running on dirt for sort of three kilometers, and then 
uh, all of a sudden you'll hit this gravel section and you're really just almost tippy-toeing across because uh, mm. it hurts. <laughs> but um, I, I still swear by the the feeling of touching the ground with mm. with the bare foot is something pretty special. Definitely. I really encourage barefoot training, like if you're squatting, lunging. Yeah, likewise. Uh, doing any kind of strength training. The I think it's in, integral for people that are training for hiking and mountaineering to do their strength training barefoot because the feet are our connection point to the ground. They need to be strong and healthy and we need to begin to expose those weaknesses so that we yeah. can rectify. And you won't recognize those weaknesses if you're in your average running shoe. Yeah. I mean, when you just look at that, um, was there 26 bones in the foot and yeah. a shoe, a typical shoe is going to isolate that just to pretty much one joint on the ankle. So you're almost mm. like focusing all of that pressure that, mm. as you say before with that, what was that funky name of that uh, spring underneath the foot? The plantar fascia. Yeah. So that would have been, you know, had a lot of, um, weight distributed on it and then all those other 26 bones would have but uh mm. i i 100% agree mate i do all of my stuff um, when i was doing uh that stuff of yours this week i was just doing it in the backyard just on the on the grass with mm. with with no shoes on um uh, there's something primal about it too maybe i'm sounding a bit hippie or whatever but um i think just that contact with the ground is is something where we're uh, we're just putting too many barriers between us and the earth these days. Mm, yeah, that's a bit of yeah. ch- chunk of gold there. Why not take your shoes off when you're you know doing your workout? That sounds good. Yeah, but uh, yeah, just as a disclaimer, don't jump into barefoot running. Uh, yeah, good call. Very, no, very, I, very, I said that, good. not you. Don't worry, they'll sue me. <laughs> <laughs> Chase did not say do barefoot running. I was the one that brought yeah. it up. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, very, very small amounts might be a good idea. Or even know, just start with walking, just a slow yeah, walk. Because walk barefoot. Man. Yeah, it's I like, started with walking yeah. and I definitely was glad I started with walking. Um, I take my sons walking down the trail at the end of my street and one day they had their shoes on and I usually put my um, trail runners on and I got well, I got there and I had my thongs on and that now just to be clear I have to make this clarification every time I say that for our US listeners thongs are sandals they're flip flops in Australia they're not underwear okay mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I had my flip flops on and uh, I I took them off and started walking down the trail and one of my sons said what are you doing dad and I said oh, I just I just think I just want to do this barefoot today i just want to feel the earth and the second i said that two of them stopped and ripped off the shoes <laughs> and we did um about a 3k walk uh along the trail all, all three of us barefoot it was really good fun magic simple simple pleasures i beg your pardon as much as possible yes. kids need to be barefoot for as long as possible yeah. uh, I totally um, wherever, agree. wherever safety uh, yep. I mean, mm-hmm. within the boundaries of safety, of course. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Hey, speaking of speaking of um, safety for kids, do you want to um, elaborate a little and tell us about your fear of box jumps? 
<laughs> oh my god! <laughs> yeah. So I was really into the NBA when I was a kid, and I wanted to be able to jump out. So I used a retaining wall in my backyard, like a brick retaining wall, which yeah. was probably about at the time. Like now, it would be like the height of my ribs. Or my oh wow! Hips somewhere for my ribs mm. and I was training myself to on my vertical jump and I'd done a couple of reps and one I I didn't make so I landed with my shins on the edge just cringe warning for anyone <laughs> with the soft stomach <laughs> I landed with my shins on the on the bleeding edge quite literally oh. of the bricks of this retaining wall both at the same time and if I'm looking at my shins now and I've still got the scars. Oh, wow. So I'm very wary <laughs> of box jumps. And <laughs> sorry, to, have... sorry to make you relive that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, I mean, I still do. I, I love jumping uh, and I still do box jumps, but I'm always really wary. And, you know, we would do box jumps in the, in the gym in, in Brizzy, but I was always... Uh, you know, if someone said they didn't want to do box jumps, I was like, absolutely no problem. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll, find you a, uh, we'll find you a regression or a different exercise option in that case. Oh, yeah, that's that's <laughs> harrowing. I, I, you told that story and in between some exercises and I, it kind of put me off my workout for a second. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Actually, that was right. You were doing an absolutely brutal uh box jump there in the snow and every time you landed you were holding the squat longer and longer backwards and forwards yeah <laughs> even you as you were doing it you said i don't know why i do this to myself <laughs> yeah, i didn't i didn't plan that at all oh really um, yeah yeah i was just i'd film this in in oslo in norway and my uh my uh, girlfriend and her family, they were just done a laugh around the park. And, and I said, I'll quickly do this, this uh, workout video. You just come back and get me. And they, they came back in a, in a quicker time. So I was like, oh, I need to wrap this up. So I, <laughs> I, I just, just designed this finisher in my head and I didn't even do it properly. It was like terrible. But I just, <laughs> like, the point was that I would like, yeah, jump up onto the box, hold for, for one second. And then on the next rep, I'll hold for two seconds. Yeah. And then on the third rep, I'll hold for three seconds. So, and I was like, I just made it up as I went. I was like, oh, this is terrible. And then I was doing the edit and I was like, oh, who cares? Like, people are probably going to like this. <laughs> I like a much better job of it than I yeah. would. But since then, I was like, I actually started kind of integrating it every now and then. And I don't know if there's any science behind it. I haven't really kind of thought about it that much, but it's like, it, it is a good power endurance i will yeah. say that well no, it folds back into your earlier point about uh keeping that kind of um keeping under strain for a longer period of time yeah yeah so, makes sure, sense for sure. i'm not sure how well that integrates with, <laughs> with with like power which is the main supposed to be the main component of that of oh that i see but, i see yeah, and yeah, um just because i be intuitive uh, was the um the people that walk past in your video was was that your girlfriend and your relatives? No, no, no. Just oh, was it? Oh, okay, okay. Because I just saw that was funny. You said they came back earlier than you thought, and in the video, some people walk past and sit down 
on that chair. No, they were just they were just wondering what the hell this weirdo yeah, was doing. Yeah, what's this weirdo doing out here with his funny accent? Uh, <laughs> yeah. I think that was a dead in the middle of winter in, in Oslo, and it was a it was a nice day, but and I think it was probably about like minus five or six degrees or something like that. And like you do see people out exercising in, in Oslo in the winter, but not in the kind of box jump uh, fashion and push-ups and stuff or whatever I was doing in the in the uh, workout. Most people were just kind of they go running or they go uh, skiing or something. Yep. Yeah, yeah. the more t- typical sort of uh, pastimes. Yeah. There's I've but, been reading uh actually what i like about the progression of your because it is quite i mean i you could look at anyone's youtube channel or website or and blog posts and that sort of thing and you can see a a natural progression and a, and a growth of sorts um and improvements and that's not to say that there's not good stuff back at the start it's just uh, and as you you alluded to earlier you put in a lot of effort into your into your um, YouTube now and, and, you know, Craig and I kind of, uh, have, we can see massive improvements in our stuff as well. But the, the point I'm getting to is I've also noticed a little a bit of a um, shift in it. And when I say shift, it's to me, it's a positive thing. And it's quite an interesting thing is you're moving into almost um, it, talking a lot about the, the psychology of some things uh, rather mm. than just being straight out uh, exercise based kind of workout guy you what I found uh, really interesting was the dopamine fast um, that you uh, that was a written article wasn't it or was that a video uh, it's both it's yeah, both it's a, wasn't there's it a yeah blog post. there's a blog, blog post, post on my website. that's but right that's where I saw it video, yeah. oh I see yeah. I see so yeah there's a I, yeah I, th- I couldn't remember which yeah I think I read it and then as I was scrolling through, I saw a video and I watched that as well. Uh, do you want to unpack that a little bit for us? Yeah. So I certainly can't be credited of the idea. Uh, probably no one can, I guess. But I got the idea from one of my favorite YouTubers, Nathaniel Drew. And he basically decided that he wanted to do this experiment where he would switch off his phone no screen time, no music, not even any books for a period of 24 hours. Uh, at the same time, he would do a tradition, like traditional, you know, water fast where you're only drinking water. Mm-hmm. And he is uh, an exceptional storyteller and a very uh, deep thinker. And I love the concept. And as I was watching it, I was realizing, oh, I used to actually do this, or at least I've, I, I've done it a few times. What I used to do <clears throat> was because uh, I, I couldn't, I, I felt in certain times when I was living in Brisbane that I needed space on my own, <clears throat> excuse me, and I lived with other people so I couldn't just, you know, block everyone out and stay in my room. That would be incredibly boring. And I was like, okay, yeah. I need to get back out into nature. So what I would do is go out to Barney or... Um, Tiburawakam, I did that a few times, one of the smaller peaks in the Glasgow Mountains, yep. and just bring a tent and some water and a sleeping bag and everything, and I'd just stay there for 24 hours and not eat and just 
try and fill my time with just being in the outdoors. And I realized that it had been maybe like four years since I'd done that. When I, uh, when I saw this video, I was like, I really need to pick up this practice again. Hmm. So I decided to do it at Montserrat because, uh, you know, why not? It's the closest mountain. Yep. At, At the time I was, uh, living in Barcelona. I still do live in Barcelona. I have a, uh, my, I'm renting an apartment like right in the middle of the city when usually when my girlfriend is working, uh, we would be living in the city, but right. that experiment, I took the train, uh, out to, to Montserrat and I spent 24 hours on the mountain, just sitting like literally in a cave. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the one thing I did allow myself is like, I took a lemon, and just had some lemon water just because it kind of breaks up the monotony. And yeah. it's also, you know, depending on who you ask, like kind of a cleansing kind of yeah. agent that's used for, uh, for the, uh, the food, food fasting kind of thing. Yeah. I've heard that before. But super, super beneficial. Like I would definitely, uh, recommend it on some level to absolutely everybody. Uh, maybe you start with three hours, you know, of just not looking at your phone or not doing mm. anything. And then become more comfortable with that. And if you if you're already someone who's super comfortable in the outdoors, then yeah, just go do it. Like you can survive months. Uh, in some cases, I think the longest is uh, a little over a year without eating. You know, so doing 24 hours of fasting and just allowing, just giving your digestive organs a rest from having to constantly process food, uh, I think is super beneficial. Like this is really well documented in mm. tons of different studies and then you have the, the just the mental clarity aspect where you can literally just be in the mountains and for me like a lot of the time when i'm out in the mountains it's uh I, you know there's a goal there's a target there's something that yes. i want to achieve and more recently you know i've got to document it as well yep so whilst i did document the start and the end and uh sort of bits and pieces throughout like i would just turn a camera on and walk away from it and just sit whilst i was doing this dopamine fast i really tried to make it as pure as possible where i wasn't i certainly didn't have my phone uh connected to the internet and i wasn't looking at it i was literally just sitting uh journaling uh, doing some meditation and just kind of accepting the environment that I was in and just kind of feeling and See, trying it, not to think too much. I love the mention of the journal there because uh, it's a, it's an outward projection, right? So it's not, you're not consuming, you're, you're pushing ideas and thoughts out of your body. And, and I think that mm. we don't do that enough either. We're, we're too busy um, consuming somebody else's joy or somebody else's ideas or fun or whatever it might be in different formats, usually through um, the screen. And yeah. uh, I think that that's a really cool point that you added that into into the mix. Yeah, well, like as I'm sitting here, my journal is like right in front of me and I'm like, I'm certainly no saint. I, I really do my best to do it every day. But... Um, I don't know the time that I spend just with with a pen and a blank page, and, I, and I'm not writing poetry. No, but I nor am I, nor am I. You know, saying woke up at six, yeah. ate breakfast. Like I'm not 
saying that either. Like I'm just looking at the page and I'm right. I have some prompts. Yep. And uh, one of my videos goes into the prompts. Okay, yeah, I'll check. The, I'll look out for that then. Maybe we can put it in the the link in the description. Oh, most definitely will, mate. Yeah. Let me just. I have. I mean, if you if you just Google like journaling prompts, there's hundreds. Um, but I think what's it's it's kind of like the basis of creativity. You mentioned before about like consumption being such a big part of our lives now, and it, it, I think most people are starting to to recognize that. Yep. And the the opposing force of of consumption is creation and you don't necessarily have to be a fine artist you don't have to make music or paint a painting the the very basis of creative being creative is just getting in touch with what you feel and what you think and understanding what's going on within you and prompt taking prompts from journals is is a, a really good way of doing that and uh, I think that is a practice that certainly just about everybody can benefit from, I think. Mm. And I don't know. It, there, there's definitely connotations where people, I even feel a little bit uncomfortable mentioning things like journaling and meditation because there is this kind of stigma that this is like it's hippie nonsense, you know? Hey, it's I'm like for. Totally with you. You don't have people that have a, a diary or a journal. Yep. It's for like 14 year old girls, you know? Yep. Yep. So there's this that stigma that we have to move past and realize that introspection is the only way for us to accept who we are and, and move forward and, and become better. And without those kind of tools and those uh, journal prompts, things become very difficult and you look at a blank page and you're just like, oh. Yeah. Uh, I also like, think I'm gonna make breakfast. that's right, and I, I think there's a misconception with creativity that um, the, the creative, whatever you choose that creative endeavor to be, that that somebody needs to see it at the end. Somebody needs to yeah. judge it and critique it. They don't. It, write it. I, I've got a journal. Uh, I was on and off with it uh, over the last sort of two years, and and. Uh, Recently, I have been developing a morning routine. And again, like we, I'm going back to your other point there, where you talk about some of these things, and people go, "Oh God, here we go," and talk about breathing techniques or something again. <laughs> but um, you know, I think we've got an audience that is that is open-minded enough to to um, you know give us that flexibility to, to. And I'm just totally honest about it. I I've been writing a lot more in my journal. Uh, as part of a morning routine that includes walking out into the backyard, uh, rain, hail or shine, um, with, you know, we're hitting winter now. I'll walk out there with, um, no shoes on shorts and sometimes a t-shirt. I'll do some burpees, whatever, some lunges, some of the stuff you're doing. And then I'll come in and, I'll jump straight into a cold shower. After that, I'll do um, Wim Hof breathing, which I'm sure you're familiar with, with your background. And then I'll um, sit down and write in my journal and make a coffee or something. So I've been really trying to do that. And mm. I do have those moments that you mentioned before where you say, I got up and I, you know, 
did this at 6.05 and I cleaned my teeth. Sometimes I have to start with that to get past it. Uh, sometimes mm. I just start with whatever's just purging out of my head and then mm. it naturally takes me into um, a kind of a more thoughtful place. But I, I like the idea of the prompts and I'll definitely check that out and I'll definitely find your... Uh, did you say it was a video or an article or both? It's it's a video and it's the uh, one that I made at the very start of the pandemic when we went into lockdown. Okay. Uh, I think... I'll find that and I'll, I'll definitely I'll link, post I'll link it. To yeah, yeah, but, that's um, great. In any case, if, if anyone listens to, I'm sure people are familiar with Tim Ferriss. Yep. It's just completely ripped off from Tim Ferriss. It's the same process that Yeah, but I like listening to you, mate. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah oh, Tim's nice. got that. Uh, nothing, nothing against yeah. the American twang, but, you know. <laughs> no, I, I really like but that. This morning, this morning I... You know, I, I gave it a crack and I wasn't really feeling it, but I did write something down and, and it's just very rewarding to be able to flip back through it and, and see, okay, I wrote something here. Yeah. Yeah, that's and right. It doesn't matter what it is. Yeah. Have you ever flicked back? Like I flicked back to a year ago um, just recently. I've never actually flicked back through the writing. I, I, I don't know why, but I did it recently and... I was somewhat impressed with some of the things I managed to get on paper. I was, and I was almost fascinated by, I felt like I was reading somebody else's journal and because I couldn't remember what I'd done that day or what I'd written about. And it was, I found it a little bit um, fascinating. Oh, it is incredibly fascinating. Uh, when you have, or you get to reflect back on what you've, who you were and what you did on a certain day, yeah. because your mind, there's, there's no reason for your mind to retain that information. Oh, that's a good point. We have so much, we have so much input all the time. Like you're not going to remember what you did on a yeah. day in 2012. Like, yeah, that's a really it's, good point. It's so cool. It's a very rewarding part of, of that process. And like I said before, it doesn't have to be, um, you know, creative writing it's just the process of watching your thoughts paying attention and making a note of it somehow and i literally i'm looking at mine now and it's like five lines most days five or six lines and that's like probably the bare minimum i should do more but i don't know i it, it's so rewarding for me to be able to look back on these and i've done this throughout my life in like different levels of consistency but the earliest one i think was from 2004 yeah um, which was like a travel journal and so i've still got that and i can look back on all these and just like see how naive <laughs> i was and like how like emotionally <laughs> unstable i was and it's like it's a great learning process like if we don't have if we don't have our past to compare us to how, how can we know that we were they were improving and moving forward it's yeah, the no, same it's it's, it's very it's the same interesting way yeah. But we are getting crazy, crazy deep now. Um, <laughs> I'd be, I'd be way too, way we're taking too you into a scary place, Chase. Yeah. <laughs> Before we like move on from the journaling thing and like take it back to like fitness and training, just uh, noting what you have done in your training, even if it's just like scribbling down in a journal, you know, I ran five Ks today, felt good. Yep. Um, and the next day I did some strength training and you start to see these patterns of like that you have to, 
look back through that stuff and understand what works for you because I, I give people pro, uh, programming in, in the programs that I sell, but there's 7 billion different bodies on this world. That yeah. program is not going to be the perfect program, yep. even though it's called Kilimanjaro program or whatever. It's not the perfect program for Kilimanjaro. The perfect program for you is the one that you enjoy, the one that you carry out and the one that you bring some analysis to. And so the journaling really comes uh, a, a very important part of that because without the reflection, we just we have no idea whether we're improving or not. Yeah, a lot of um, people uh, in, in you know, to serious fitness, they're always, um, you know, taking measurements and uh, doing all sorts of things. And, and even people, um, I, I don't do it to a certain degree myself with trail running. I'm always trying to kind of, um, do the same circuit and beat the time or at least meet the time or, or if, if, uh, if I don't make the time, why didn't I make the time? Is it because that day the trail was muddy and I had to slow down? Okay. There's, there's some, there's some data there that we can unpack and, and, uh, look back on. But as you say, if you don't have any data, you, you've got nothing to reflect on. It makes it more difficult. Yeah. Hmm. For sure. No, I've never done yeah. any journaling, guys. I, I did actually when I had a – here we go, my ankle problem again. I was doing <laughs> some, some runs and I'd actually write down when I got back about the um, the point in time when it would give me a bit of trouble or whatever. Like a timestamp on where – Yep. Okay, yeah, that's It was clever. Um, actually really helpful. But as far as journaling, you know, some of this emotional and thoughtful stuff, I've never really done that, but I did enjoy that conversation, guys, because I think we all do like to take things sometimes to that next level, and we look for something that we can we can you know add to our sort of approach. And you going out doing this solo sort of overnight thing, twenty four hours, I I think you've you've amped that up by taking no food and just a water yeah. fast and. Um, journaling what a what a great idea man i'm really interested in that i think that sounds great it's interesting you you say that craig because um chase craig's a like he's written tons of songs writes a lot of music that's how we first met each other we used to play in a band a long time ago and craig i just think it's a creative channel that's possibly un, untapped for you because you you are a creative guy and uh, you know your your lyrics um, mm. are fantastic. Like they really, you're a really good storyteller. So I I think it's something you need to give a try. Yeah, well, like you know, I've got books I've written words and stuff in. I guess that's journaling. But I'd love to get an insight into how you guys are writing down what you've done during the day and what you've thought and stuff, like in sentences and stuff. It, it's it's strange. It's strange explaining it. <laughs> we are getting deep. We are getting deep. It's strange explaining it. It's stranger reading back on it. I wouldn't want to read it's, back on what I wrote well, ten years no, ago. No, I didn't. I, I didn't read back. Like I said, I don't I think I could. Uh, I'd find I, it really, think, really hard, really confronting. I think I, I'll never. I'll keep it. I, I hope my sons read it one day. Wow, there's yeah. stuff about them in that. Like there's. I mean, if we want to get real deep, like there's oh. tons of stuff in there where I'll talk about how I'm feeling as a parent, as a father. But this stuff is just, I can't write fast enough. I'm trying to write fast to keep up with this stuff that's just kind of spewing out of my head. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, don't expect it to be pretty, but um, like Chase was just saying, sometimes you flick back and there's a little nugget of gold 
one little sentence in amongst a whole page of, you know, arguably mm -hmm. rubbish. Uh, and mm -hmm. so I think that makes it all worthwhile. Yeah, no, it's just output, isn't it? It's, it's creative. It's an output yeah, from it's us. Yeah, However, like I used to get my phone and just play little licks on the guitar um, and just record them and stuff, and then no one ever hears it, but sometimes I will listen back to it or um, I'll remember it, I'll develop it into something else. I think that's, yeah, that's a great idea. Oh, nice. Voice notes are, are another way to do that if, you, if you're not really into the journaling thing. Like you can literally just click the voice recorder and just talk to yourself. <laughs> it sounds so weird, but um, I've I've like done that. I don't I don't do that as a regular thing, but I I've discovered some from like a year or two ago, and I'm like, oh my god! And like you said before, it's confronting. Like it is listening to yourself. Like you would hope to God that no one ever found this and oh, published it. Yeah, like yeah, you yeah. would just be you would be. Even though you're not like saying anything that's particularly, oh, like, I know what you mean. You are or whatever, but it's embarrassing, and like, <laughs> so I think like what you're saying about being <laughs> confronting—that's the whole purpose. Like it's the whole point. Like if we aren't confronting ourselves and keeping us ourselves accountable, then we will not improve. No, and and that's the essence of like fitness. Is, is improvement so it, it is a it is like a, a one of the key factors of self-improvement so the reason why i'm you know i talk about it pretty much at the every start of every video i say this channel is about um improving your mind your body and your gear yep. so you can get out mountains and discover something about yourself and challenge yourself so and you've got three, a fantastic article there too on um, the six practical ways to build mental strength for the mountains. Yeah, I want to do a video about that one, but I guess the, the there's a big hole in my channel is that I haven't really shared much of the mental side yet. Like that, mm. that uh, don't need fast video is a big one, um, but I've got a couple coming out soon. Uh, you mentioned the Wim Hof method before. I'm going to do a video about my experience with the Wim Hof method. Oh, I'd love to. I'd love to see that. I'd be really interested yeah. in seeing, um, you know, obviously somebody whose um, content, uh, you know, I already respect your kind of views, and and I'd be really interested to know uh, how you feel about that. So, th there's yeah. a absolutely crazy photograph of you. It's on the mental strength page, article rather, of you just immersing yourself in this small rectangle. Is it a lake or a river? It's a it's a, a frozen lake in frozen North lake. Sweden. It's yeah. it's a, a rectangle about. It's smaller than a bathtub, and it's and someone's kind of bolted or sat uh, mm. like pool um, a pool ladder on the edge, right? Yeah, and uh, you're just up to just just up to your shoulders, sitting in it. That's um, that's insane, mate. That's tough, dude. Well done. It's you know, like people look at that and they think that's mentally tough, but I don't know. Like I don't necessarily think of myself as being super mentally tough. What I did was I uh and I did something every single day and that was the Wim Hof method. Yep. And I I did that because, A, because I wanted to understand if it could help me for mountaineering and cold exposure and going into 
like environmentally violent places that want yeah. to kill me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so like I had, a, I had a really bad experience, two really bad experiences where I was un, underprepared in terms of layering or just, just put myself in very, very cold environments. And, and I really suffered not just in that moment, but I felt that when I came home and even when I had a hot shower, put myself under uh, hot water, when I dried my hands, freezing cold at the, at the, at the hut uh, near Blue Lake, which is where you pretty much the only place where you can do ice climbing in Australia. I got back to that hut. Thankfully, it was open. I stood under the hairdryer and just kept punching the button on the hairdryer for about 15 minutes and I was physically incapable from moving away from the hairdryer because I was so yeah. unable to control my own body temperature. Mm-hmm. And and there were, I had a couple of situations like that that I realized like, I need to get control of this. Like I can't let something like that control me when I'm in a dangerous environment because I know that it's just like it doesn't feel like physiology to me. It feels like something that I, that is a, a mental issue yeah. that I can grasp. And when I heard about Winhoff Method, I think it was like 10 years ago, someone sent me an email about it and I was like, cool, whatever. I just kind of ignored it. I was like, oh, that looks interesting. Isn't it? It's a guy that swims under ice and stuff. But the, when I started implementing it was um, like my, my girlfriend is Swedish Norwegian and we were – going to uh, a cabin of a family friend up in the north of Sweden that had this lake and I was like, yes, this is the thing that's going to make me get up every morning and, and do the Wim Hof Method <laughs> and like establish a routine, which I've always, to be honest, kind of struggled with like getting that morning routine down. But the, the Wim Hof Method just drove me so, uh, it really drove me into dedication like I've never been in before because I knew you know, I was doing a 10-week course. I only had six weeks. I was like, I need to ace this course because I'm getting in that lake no matter what. <laughs> <laughs> is that uh, the Wim Hof Method, is that related to that book that you read where we there for? That's correct. And even I even had some cold showers. But was there there was more to it than that in the method? It, there's... Um... Having a cold well, he, shower. He, he in the says morning. there's three elements to it. I, I see two key elements, and that's the exposure to cold. Yeah. And then the breathing techniques. He, he Holding also, his breath for long periods. Is that what you uh, mean? Yeah. He also adds the um, a meditation aspect ah. to, I think, Chase, would you agree? He, he kind of has yeah. three pillars, whereas I tend to work off the cold and the, the breathing. But let, let's just, and again, let's just. Um, this is me just giving my opinion, not not even my opinion, my experiences. This is not um, Chase telling you what to do, listeners. But um, at the moment, I'm doing three rounds of breathing. Uh, at the end of each round, you hold your breath. You, you hold your breath on a completely empty lungs, right? So you do your 30 breaths, breathe everything out, and... I can get to around three minutes 20 is where I'm at at the moment with empty what? lungs. When have you been doing this? Uh, years. Oh, okay. I've been, that's what I was doing before um, before the last Tassie trip. With all that... Um, Plus the cold training. Exposure to cold yeah, training, yeah. which you were talking he's about. Oh, far And out. so recently uh, I had a big break from it and then recently I'm back up to three minutes 20. But um, if I take... 
a deep breath. On top of that, I'm over four minutes now. I'm over like four minutes, 15 or something. So, and, and, I, and I mean, and you, you could testify to this, Chase. It's not uncomfortable time. It's very pleasant time, at least in my mm. opinion. Really? And, yeah. And in fact, you sh- <laughs> I don't think you should be, un- if, uh, if you're experiencing discomfort, then you probably should stop. Yeah. Fair uh, call. Wim's pretty clear about that in, yep. the, in the training. But yeah, the, the whole idea is like to be comfortable with that feeling because how often do we really hold our breath? Like when we're kids, we're mucking around in the pool in the backyard, we try and hold our breath for 30 seconds or whatever. Mm. But, and then I think if we go real primal on that, that that's probably something that, that we're designed to be able to do. Yeah. Because we, we, we were designed to fish and collect shellfish and uh, we're designed to be in the water at least for a small amount of time to be able to find resources. So yeah. Well, we've got that m- mammalian, like, is it the mammalian yeah. reflex? As soon as your mouth and nose go underwater, it, it triggers some primal, primal instinct like that? Yeah, I but, think um, if you throw if you throw like a baby into a pool, and I'm not mm-hmm. advising anyone to <laughs> Yeah, especially, you know, if it's just somebody's baby you don't know. <laughs> We're going to need a few more disclaimers here. Yeah, there's going to be a fair few disclaimers. <laughs> Go to the show notes, guys. Uh, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, whatever you're ready. Um, we, it's all right, mate. We do this all the time. There's there's a lot of people that don't like us out there for what we say. <laughs> Well, I'm, um, I'm impressed, guys. That's that's hardcore that you guys are able to. No, let, let Chase finish. He's talking about throwing babies. <laughs> yeah, come on. What happens next? Well, you guys are around my age. Just think of the the uh, the cover of the Nirvana. Yeah, Nirvana, album. yeah, yeah, yep. straight away. Baby's super chill. Yeah, uh, baby's is not under any kind of stress. That reflex is to be calm. And yeah. to understand that you can hold your breath for 30 to uh, 60 seconds without any training. Yeah. Most of us can. Yeah, and, 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 with, and with five minutes of training, that can be a lot longer, you know. So. Yeah, yeah I agree. I agree. That, that's a really interesting point with five minutes of training. You could literally, Craig, I could get you to hold your breath. I won't, I won't do it now because it's, it's awkward. Uh, after this, I could get you to hold your breath. I could show you something for five to ten minutes, just like Chase said, and then you could double it. I just guarantee it. Like it's that simple. And it, hmm. um, I'm sorry, I butted in on you again, Chase, but I, I just want to. When you so you've fully ox, you've over oxygenated your blood supply, then you've mm-hmm. emptied your lungs. At that mm-hmm. moment, I was saying to my wife the other day, that time is the most pleasant time of my entire day that uh what's the 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 grouping i do is a a what is it a 30 second uh one minute and then in the last round i go for as long as i can which is around the three three minutes 20. Mm -hmm. that time is the most pleasant time of my day because i'm not even worried about breathing I'm literally yeah. laying there, just chilled. Yeah. No, my mind is blown. I had no, I had no <laughs> idea you're doing this stuff, man. So no, Craig, I've, Craig knows I 
jump in cold water, I hadn't ever really explained the the breathing element to him. Mm. Super, super valuable practice. And I'm glad we're talking about it because I, I haven't done it that frequently over the last maybe like six months, but I, I usually do it in preparation for winter just because there's almost yeah. no point doing it here in Spain in summer and even like in Australia, like it's very different. You turn the, turn the cold tap on in Brisbane in the middle of the summer and it's still going to be a hot shower, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, no, that, I mean the... I still see an advantage to the breathing side of it, but you're right about the um, about the water. Yeah, I think the, I mean the only reason I absolutely love it. Uh, it's probably a bit of a spoiler alert on my like opinion of Wim Hof, but I do absolutely love it. Um, <clears throat> the only reason why I'm not doing it consciously, sort of every day, is because it does take a little bit of time, and I'm super pressed for time, and I'm really I'm doing both strength training and aerobic capacity training at the moment and so, yep. so so much of my day already is training that it's just an extra 20 minutes yeah exactly like, i mean it'll come back when you want it to come back when you need it when you need it you'll just start leaning on it again that's it it's always there yeah exactly my yeah. and again i don't want you to 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 do a spoiler on your your own video <laughs> about your experience but um i did the overland track um by myself and uh the listeners are sick of hearing this but i'll make it brief i was very very affected by the cold on that trip it was in between that trip and the next trip that i discovered um wim hof and i went down there and i absolutely destroyed it absolutely there's a photograph of me uh, so I was filming a documentary and I knew that I had to be um, not affected by the cold. I had work to do. I had to be fit, strong, um, agile, and I had to be able to sit there for 10 minutes without moving um, and and adapt. And so uh, there's a photo of me with a short sleeve um, shirt on and it's, it's snowing. It's just... And I don't know. I'm not even saying I'm anything special. You know, all I'm saying is that's that's my, for me, that was the, the proof. And we went back uh, when I took Craig for the third time. I did the overland. He came down and managed to uh, wrangle him into jumping into that. Yeah, we even the lake. A, a little swim. <laughs> yeah, you know the the lake at the bottom of um, Barn Bluff. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Yeah, we we um I jumped in there and Craig was abusing me because uh, I was trying to tell him to get in there and there's actually a very funny section of a podcast where we were recording um the audio of the whole event. <laughs> um but that was a good time, but yeah. Lucky uh, lucky that video's never made it out, eh? Oh, that video's on my hard drive. Yeah. And um yeah, I know you guys have got a YouTube channel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I have started knocking up that video. There'd be a fair bit of blurring out though in that those particular um scenes. Uh, so we just have to work on that. I haven't had to do that before. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh hey uh Chase, um sort of to kind of round this out, I was wondering if you wanted to uh Give us a little rundown on, uh, well, in particular, I guess, the Elements program, 
that you've put together, uh, I guess give us a, you know, describe to the listeners what that is and also what the, I mean, I'm keen to hear what the, what was the catalyst for, for putting that together? Uh, so the elements program covers four of the elements that I believe are most important when you're first beginning. So like things to get right from day one, essentially. Uh, the most important one is your aerobic training. So this is around developing aerobic base. We go into discovering a little bit more of heart rate zones and how that relates to our experience in the mountains, whether it's hiking or mountaineering. Then we have strength. So I provide a couple of basic strength routines that are very similar to what you see on the on my YouTube channel, but go into far more detail of each move. And we really talk about specifically what you should be feeling as you're doing those exercises. Yep. But again, very, very basic stuff. I designed this so that my grandmother could do it. Right, yeah. I wanted anyone to be able to do this. But as you, as you mentioned before, cool. like these are the sorts of things you can, an experienced person can ramp this up or, you know, for the likes of Craig and I, we could ramp, ramp up and go back to the basics and try and, and, and get better form. Yeah. The, the idea, I mean, what I wanted to do with elements is put all of the basic information in there that would allow someone to kind of be their own coach and, it is both like it's a uh, two different PDFs. One is like a, I think it's like 10,000 words. So it's kind of like a, it's a book basically. Oh, okay. And then, uh, and then the program itself, which is a smaller PDF with links to the videos and everything. And um, I'm actually still contributing more into that program. Oh, fantastic. And, yeah. So I put a, a new video in there about, aerobic training because I think aerobic training is something that people just don't kind of get. And I wrote a uh, four and a half thousand word blog post on aerobic training and <laughs> I know people aren't going to read that. So I, like, I wanted to like create a video around that just because it's a very consumable, uh, very uh, much easier way to understand that really sometimes technical kind of science information. Yeah. Hey, that that's something that you're, uh, as I said before, you you do that well in your videos. You've you, you know you've you've got your your human body there, and you're um, talking through uh, very specific um, movements, and uh, you know pointing to joints, demonstrating the right and wrong way. You know at least from everything I've seen, I think it's uh, it's a good medium. And so if somebody um, gets that package, they have access to kind of everything that sits within that is that how that works the membership to that yeah um, and it's it's not a membership it's uh i wanted i wanted this program to be basically the first step for everyone who comes into my training in some way yep. so in a, in a way i wanted to like give as much as i could blow people away with with both information and and quality within this program i wanted it to be uh, essentially, like it is a book primarily, but with a how-to guide of how to implement some of this stuff. And at the moment, it's like 10 bucks because I brought it out during the time of uh, the start of the epidemic and I was like, oh, 
I feel weird like releasing a program <laughs> when everyone at like the world is like in turmoil. Uh-huh. I was like, put it up for 10 bucks. Um, well, and... that's what I liked about it. I, 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 uh, when I started researching all of it, I thought, well, that, that's actually quite a kind gesture uh, in itself to say, hey, everyone's doing it tough. Um, you know, here's, here's something that's obviously valued a lot more than that. You've got years of experience. But I, th- I thought it was pretty cool, mate. Although I should say that it's 10 US dollars, not 10 Australian dollars. <laughs> so anyone, anyone who's thinking yeah, like, Yeah, Australians yes. are like, oh, damn, that's, that's $95. That's not even two schooners. Like, yeah. So, yeah, it's 10 US dollars, which who knows? God, I don't know what's going on with the American economy right now. Who knows how much 10 yeah. Australian dollars is? But uh, yeah, so it's 10 US dollars. Um, and the other two elements that are in there are uh, core strength, which uh-huh. is, I can't overstate how important that is. Uh, I think I probably haven't even gone into enough detail in, 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 this, uh, in this program about how important it is. But what we do in the program is a 15-minute deep core activation which is less of a workout and more of a, like a discovery movement process where you are doing some uh, movements with your arms and your upper body whilst trying to maintain very deep core stability within your torso. And that's yep. basically what course, I think of core as like any muscle that connects to the pelvis or any muscle that is obviously a core muscle like your uh-huh. obliques and your abdominals and all the rest of that. Pretty much anything between your knees and your shoulders. Yeah. You, so you've got a... Functional strength as opposed to like getting a six-pack or whatever. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I totally understand. Uh, you seem to have a bit of a, a favorite thing, and I've seen this pop up a couple of times. I find it actually a little bit um, interesting slash fascinating, and I've been adopting it myself, is this thing where you get into... Uh, I think sometimes you do it in a push-up position but you also do it on your hands and knees and you're basically activating that uh that that center of the spine between the shoulder blades and you're kind of really you basically you said look if you're doing a push-up without this you're not really doing a push-up do you know what i'm Uh, referring to very badly there yeah i imagine you're referring to the erector spinae or activation of the rhomboids and the erector spinae, which is if you kind of think about it, like the muscles that wrap around the uh, the spinal cord and support the spinal cord in the in the upper body, yeah. but also uh, the muscles that uh, control scapular protraction and retraction. Yeah, so that's the one. Yeah, that's moving, exactly moving it. forward and back of your uh, of your shoulder blade. So yeah, yeah that's I- super important. The the cat cow is the movement, which is a common movement in yoga. Uh, that pretty much anyone would have seen before. So I like to put that at pretty much the start of pretty much every single like daily mobility kind of Yeah, drill that's probably why I've out. seen it a few times now. Yeah, I just hammer it into people because I – and it's one of those movements that is – and a, pretty much every movement, every strength movement is like this. If you find it easy, you're doing it wrong. Yeah, fair cool. <laughs> so no, I can make it – make it hard now even though i've been doing it for years you just the more focus you put in the harder it becomes yeah and that's the case with a lot of the movements in the elements program i I don't want to sound like i'm just um 
you know, just saying this because of the uh, the podcast or whatever. But my, I mean, our listeners know that we don't um, we don't say stuff that for the sake of it. But I have been um, kind of focusing on that for about a week and a half. Not not every single day, but just in the last sort of four days, I've felt um, a little bit of how would you say it? Not just to increase mobility through the shoulder blades. I'm kind of just. Mm. I don't know. It just feels good. I guess in in unison with the with the breathing techniques and stuff, it's nice to just be able to open everything up and and not not really be restricting that by um, tight muscles as well. So I think it all kind of folds back into each other. Yeah, the the one thing that I'm like still very uh, very much a beginner in is how our breathing muscles affect how deeply and how uh, and the quality of our breath. Mm-hmm. So the those like the erector spinae and the muscles that are involved in that movement are super crucial to supporting or, or their accessory breathing muscles. Yeah. And you know your major breathing muscles are, are your diaphragm. So the one thing that I, that I really want to get into and find my own way of uh, practicing and passing this on is the relationship between diaphragmatic breathing and altitude sickness. Oh, wow. Uh, I think that's good. that's going to be the super interesting, perhaps controversial <laughs> when, uh, when I release that because every, everyone's looking for a solution to altitude um, that doesn't involve hiring a, yeah. an altitude tent, you know, yeah, and sleeping in, a, sleeping in a tent for however long, two months or something. Yeah, and I noticed you. You were talking at one of your videos is almost like a a when to and when not to use the sickness tablets from memory. Yeah, yeah um, I'm sure that's yeah, controversial too. A, a whole video about got Dymox. Yeah, controversial because I'm not a doctor and I shouldn't be giving medical advice. But it is literally just my personal opinion. Yeah, uh, and my experience with leading trips in the Himalayas and my experience with how I feel when I take Dymox. Um, how my like people in my trips have re- reacted when they've taken it and if they haven't taken it and all that kind of thing. And it, it, it's really just dumping all the information on you and letting you decide whether you want to take it or not. And yeah. that's probably the best thing I could do under the That's fair enough. In, in a way, yeah. it's better to hear that than, than um, somebody who's either paid to, to, to talk about that product <clears> or... Um, or a doctor who's who's never actually hiked or or even um, you know been in, at altitude. So uh, I think I think everyone should should take all all kind of angles and then work it out anyway. I mean, I I mean we say stuff we give advice on this show all the time, mate. Don't worry about it. We don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> I give life advice and I don't, I don't even know how to run my own life. Completely so. unsolicited it's all good. advice. About- oh yeah. The first, six min- <laughs> the first six minutes of this whole podcast will just be caveats. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, they probably won't release it for six months because I'll have to get lawyers involved. <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, the, um, you and I have been uh, talking about some kind of a, a giveaway for the um, – I haven't even told Craig about this, Chase. Um, we were talking about – doesn't surprise me. <laughs> I like to surprise him with things. Uh, talking about giving away a couple of your 
the elements programs that we were just talking about. Yeah. Correct me if Let's I'm wrong, it. but you were yeah. we we're talking about five. Is that are we on the money there? Yeah. Let's do five. We'll give five uh, elements uh, ebook slash programs away to anyone who goes and follows me on Instagram. Yeah. And, and comments on this podcast, right? Yeah, yeah. So they would uh, I always on our How Could I Facebook and Instagram, I'll always, you know, let the listeners know that the next um the the next podcast is out. And so if they jump on either Facebook or after they've followed you on Instagram, if they jump on either Facebook or Instagram and you had a quite an interesting uh, thing that to to tell us what um, hike they're planning to do after they get out of uh, quarantine, if they haven't already been. Yeah, I mean, I should say you don't have to have a goal to to do this program. It's very much a long term, like it's roughly like four to six weeks of things you could implement, maybe more. Um, it's a very loose arrangement, but it is a very good introduction, I feel, to just understanding the basics, and that's why I, I positioned it on the market more more as a book than and an educational resource rather than a program. But having said that, you know, there's the next step in the process is going to be released very soon, and that's called Hike Strong, and that is really where we start to dive into uh, individualizing movements and developing strong movement patterns that relate to hiking and mountaineering so mate awesome. get it that's into the, you that's yeah. it so they better get their they better get themselves into elements so they can be ready for the next phase that's the idea yeah, yeah i like it all right mate well um i will um yeah obviously relay all those those details in to the listeners and uh let them, yeah. They let what, them get their hands on the. What is your elements. Instagram handle, mate? What is oh, it? I, I've, um, so that's Chase underscore Mountains. Is that correct? Correct. Facebook yes. is one word base camp fit. Is that where you'd like people to go? Yeah, you can check out uh, if you just type in base camp training. That is our Facebook. But you, I don't. I don't, to be perfectly honest, I don't share a lot of that on the mo- at on that page at the moment. I'm kind of working towards doing that, but I share the vast majority of my really valuable content on YouTube, mm-hmm. and uh, I usually post. Uh, I will uh, pass on every YouTube video to the Basecamp training Facebook page. So yeah, yeah cool. And the Facebook, um, the website's obviously basecamptraining.com.au. Yes, that's yeah. correct. So, uh, yeah, as I said, I'll do show notes. I'll put all of these links in there. Uh, what I liked about your Instagram, and, and and as I said earlier, this is what the kind of catalyst was for me digging deeper into there was, oh, there's this cool guy who does hiking and climbing. I like his photos. And then I noticed um, you started putting um, some segments of your training videos on Instagram, and that's that was good because it reminded me well, first of all, it introduced me to the videos, but it also reminds me when when you put out new stuff. So I think um, yeah. you're doing a good job on Instagram there, and that's definitely where people can um, can see what's going on. Mm, yeah, that's yeah. That, really generous of you, Chase, mate. And, um, yeah, and with your time tonight. Yeah, thanks, thanks mate. Thanks for for uh, letting us um, dig a little deep there, mate. Pick your brain a bit. <laughs> yeah. 
Tell about some nuggets. Some nuggets, a, bit, a little bit of um, traumatic stuff in there, I'm Went sure. Went fairly deep in parts. Yeah, yeah. Everyone's going to be yeah. out. There's going to be a spike in journal sales next week. <laughs> World, worldwide. <laughs> and silicon bread baking apparatus. Oh, yeah. yeah. They're gonna go, what the heck, silicon? I'm into that. <laughs> make, sure you get, make sure you get an affiliate link on that one. Sell some yeah, I better. baked goods. Yeah, I better get some kind of thing going with that. <clears throat> Wouldn't hurt. <laughs> Mate, it's, uh, yeah, as Craig said, Craig's already done a good job there. Um, really appreciate your time. It's been uh, as much fun as I thought it would be. I've been looking forward to this one for a few weeks now. To be honest, a few months, even before I spoke to you, I thought that this is a guy I'm going to try and wrangle and uh, and sweet talk into, into um, spending some time with us. So I do appreciate, you, you know, you working in with our time zone and everything. And I look no forward... To, yeah, mate, I look forward to, to keep following your adventures. Mm. Thanks, guys. This long form content, uh, this long form content, is probably the most important thing for the world right now for us to have these kind of discussions, deep or or service level. So, thank you very much for the opportunity. Appreciate it. Oh no, it's it's 100 our pleasure, and I'm I'm glad you feel that way. And if it was an opportunity for you to kind of, um, you know, get into to some territory where you you have the opportunity to take your time and explain, then then uh, everyone wins. It's been great, mate. Thanks so much. Thank you very much, guys. Look after yourself, buddy. I'll, I'll talk to you soon. I'll let you know when this bad boy hits the airwaves. If you're listening to this podcast on iTunes, we'd really appreciate your ratings and comments if you can spare the time. If you'd like to know more about Hike or Die TV and keep track of our adventures around Australia, make sure you drop by hikeordie.com. That's where you'll find all the information you'll need to follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram or Pinterest. As always, we appreciate your support. Thanks for listening.